When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night, this is Extra Time on SENZ. I'm gonna Good evening and welcome into the show. This is Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock tonight. Coming up, uh, we're going to be talking to the Black Caps bowling coach Shane Jurgensen after the release of the T20 World Cup squad for next month uh, when the World Cup is in Australia. Of course, there's also going to be a tri-series, T20 tri-series here in New Zealand uh, in Christchurch with Pakistan and Bangladesh taking part in that. So we'll get uh, the lowdown from Shane on that. Also, Mark Foster is going to join us this hour to talk netball and the schmozzle that is the Jamaican tour. After 8 o'clock, we're going to be talking rugby league. Lavina Good is going to join us. We're going to talk NRL finals. Uh, get you to uh, give us your thoughts as well on the NRL finals and uh, who you think is going to make that grand final. Who's going to see it through? Are, are the Eels going to uh, take it to Townsville and get the win, or are we going to see the Cowboys uh, back in Sydney next weekend? And then, of course, there is the uh, rematch of the grand final and the other preliminary final between the Rabbitohs and the Panthers as well. We'll talk about all of that and get your take on it as well after 8 o'clock. After 9 o'clock, uh, we are going to catch up with Jared Cronin to talk NFL. The second round has finished. The Bills impressive again. Massive win for them against the Titans. We'll also catch up with Clinton Vanderberg. Uh, from Supersport in South Africa. He also has his own website called Mumble in the Jungle. Uh, we'll get Clinton's thoughts on Parker versus Joyce and uh, the relaunch of the United Rugby Championship after a mid-season break. We'll talk to him about that. Super League Grand Final is this weekend as well. Johnny Davidson uh, out of the Australian in exile in the UK. He's going to uh, come on the show after 10 o'clock and give us the lowdown on what's happening in the UK around the grand final, the Super League grand final. Uh, five Kiwis going to be involved. A little bit of conjecture as to some injuries and some poten- uh, potential suspensions as well. We'll go into all of that with Johnny Davidson after 10. And of course, always time for your calls and your texts. Our text line is double eight double three double eight double three. That is the temper bedpost text machine, or you can call us 0800 150 Of course, we also have a, another Bledisloe Cup test this weekend at Eden Park. It's been a while since the Aussies have won there. In fact, I think Simon Poitovin was the uh, last Wallabies captain to win at Eden Park. And Jason Ryan, uh, the All Blacks forwards coach, has been talking today about how the All Blacks are approaching this game at Eden Park and what they need to improve on from Melbourne. 
No, we're just getting through. There's a few boys that we're managing load. Um, obviously, the boys at HIAs are going through their protocol still. Tracking well? Yeah, yeah, they are, yeah. And uh, I guess in terms of, of the, the back line reshuffle in the midfield, is that something you have to look to? Yeah, obviously, it depends on, on Davey. As a, as a Ford's coach, what are you looking to improve on from um, Melbourne? I think we need um, intensity probably for a little bit longer. Um, we had some periods there we were on and periods we were off. So I think just making sure we've got that consistency in our habits is, is quite a big one for us as a Ford pack. Can you pinpoint why it sort of went off the boil a wee bit? On oh, Melbourne, or? I think it's probably, um, a per, a, a, probably a, a mix between a bit of mindset and, and a little bit of skill set execution. I think that's now you always have periods of games where you have positives and negatives and different pressure cycles. So I think we we can be a little bit better in the area of keeping the pressure on was probably the one that we've sort of reviewed, really. Jason, just in terms of the HIAs, I know you're reluctant to give too much away, but your blitz have been pretty cautious um, traditionally recently with those sorts of things. Is, yeah. is that something that, that's top of mind? Oh, it's a world, world rugby protocol, and it's a protocol for the All Blacks. And, you know, we have got the utmost interest of our players so we'll do everything we can to get that right and there'll be no risks at all. Artie and Shannon coming back in this week, how have they slotted back into, into camp? Yeah, Shannon's obviously had that niggly rib which, which knew about, um, so he's just got to get through tomorrow, uh, Thursday and see how that pans out. Artie's coming fresh and selectable. What did you make of the loose forward trail as a bit of a reshuffle last week? Yeah, I think they, they had their moments, I think as a whole pack did, you know, their connections, they were there was times where, as I said, that we had really good intensity in that area and times we, we could have been better. So, um, you know, like any combination, it takes a bit of time and you get a couple of changes, you've got to find your rhythm pretty early, especially in test matches. Aaron Smith mentioned you say there's you know, a bit of a final with the Tri-Nations on the line. You've, you've been involved in a, a fair few of those with the Crusaders. What, what can you take out of that and, and how different is it with the All Blacks? 100% it's a final. Um, and, I, you know, I think there was a couple of comments from someone who might have been a dead rubber. I don't know how where that would come from it's a um, New Zealand and Australia test match um, at Eden Park and there's a lot on the line and we are we're treating it as a final it's exactly how we're treating it and um, we've prepared accordingly to respect that bonus points or points differential is that coming to your thinking at all oh look it's definitely in the thinking but it's not front of mind you've got to win the game you know and um, that's the same with the finals win the game so that's how we're um, that's how we've approached it Jace the guy said yesterday that um after the review, it was kind of had a feel of almost coming off a loss because the review was pretty, pretty harsh and, and, and had some home truths about it. Is there? Do you feel there's an edge in the team this week, given how close you did come to defeat? Yeah, oh look, I've always said that a review should be the same on a Monday, whether or not you win or lose. You know, any coach can be hard on a Monday after a loss. Usually, that means you haven't got your week right. So you know, we we reviewed accordingly, and that's where we've made. You know, some, some shifts in those areas in reviewing, like review honestly every day, review every training. Um, but yeah, it was, and, and, and it should have been. Take you back to the crazy last five minutes uh, in Melbourne, mate. Um, the, the All Black forwards seemed to have the upper hand at the end, and particularly the line-out drive off that last penalty that, that you guys got, and uh, sort of split up mm. there, and Dane got penalised. What, what happened there? Can you yeah, just sort of come through the middle middle of our mall um, there, and we, we lost our feet really, and lost a bit of momentum, and sort of killed it. You know, it was marginal, probably our fault, and decision making potentially around staying on our feet. I think we got, we got no complaints there, but yeah, we had a bit of 
we had a bit of momentum in our favour, definitely in that little period. So, yeah. and again, like I said, we're getting good parts and parts we were sort of knocking off. So, we've got to um, keep up the good, the good parts and positive cycles, really. Jace, what was what was your assessment of our Scott Barrett when at six? Because you know he's, he's it can't be easy moving between second row and six a couple of times this year. Yeah, how, how do you think he went? Yeah, I'd say he's probably our best performing All Black forward, to be honest. He, he's been outstanding in every role. He's a, he's a huge part of our four pack, and he prepares um, accordingly. And he's playing some really good rugby. He's, he's been consistent. I think that's followed on from the Super Rugby season, and he's hit the All Blacks running. And he's, he's a pivotal part of the All Black team and um, and our four pack. And having Artie back, I mean, you know, as you say, he's, he's fresh. He brings obviously an, an element of energy and kind of uh, efficiency and everything he does. How, how important is that for you this week? Yeah, really important. He's um, you know, he's got a lot of mana in the group. He's fresh here, but you know he's just had another baby, mm. so I'm sure there's been a couple of sleepless nights. But um, look, he's yeah, he's great for us. He's a real real energy giver. We get a lot of energy off him and our group. And um, you know, having that week off will definitely freshen him up, and he'll be he'll be sharp and raring to go. Personally for you, Jace, um, you mentioned this is like a final um, against Australia, Eden Park, packed, sold out. I mean, for you, an occasion like this, what does it mean to you? Um, oh, look, really looking forward to it. Um, I've said before, I love, love you know, coaching against the Wallabies, especially you know, Dan McKellar. We've got a lot of respect, him and I, together. And, um, so so I, look, I look forward to that part of it, but it's really about, about the All Blacks and us putting on a good performance at home and, and, and at Eden Park. But... Just because it's Eden Park isn't a given either, you know, it's a final, so we, we prepare like that. Is there a bit of pride in that record and wanting to, def- to defend it, maintain it? Yeah, it's not sort of something that's been talked about really around the record side of it. We're just looking for that test, but um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely there, you know, it's no secret. The boys usually go right here, so, but it's no given either. Anything in that Aussie pack surprise you, Chase? I, mean, I thought the loose forwards played fairly well at times. Anything else? Yeah, I, I thought um, I thought Valentini's huge for them. He's played um, great Super Rugby as well, and Pete Sama as well, the ball carrier. That, but they got athletes that can give you really good variation. Their contact um, contact work and their lead drive and their carry is really good. Good variation around their lineout. Not really a surprise, but um, definitely the. You know, the breakdown becomes a big area and getting quite bold. There you go. That is Jason Ryan talking earlier today, the All Blacks forwards coach, uh, with that uh, final of Low and Rugby Championship game of the season looming this Saturday at Eden Park. We'll have uh, more from the All Blacks as well a little bit later in the show. But when we come back, uh, former Silver Fern Mark Foster is going to join us. and We're going to talk Ferns and Jamaica. It's a quarter past seven here on SENZ Extra Time and uh, joining us uh, is uh, former Silver Fern Mark Foster. How are you, Mark? I'm really good, yeah. Beautiful day here, nice in Christchurch, beautiful city. Nice, mate, nice. I know I know you're out for dinner, so I won't keep you too long. Uh, really, thanks <laughs> Thanks for your time, for giving us some time, mate. I hope you've had a, 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 a nice, uh, what, I'm thinking maybe a, a Pinot Noir, just to warm you up in that in that cool Christchurch evening before we get started. I've been pretty tame, you know. I've just been at the St Andrews College Netball Prize giving, so I haven't even had anything. Oh, wow. Just a little mocktail. Mocktails. So, you know, I've been pretty tame. <laughs> well, you've got to behave yourself at some point, don't you? 
a um, mug. Well, I just wanted to get your take on um, on the Silver Ferns, obviously, uh, where they're, they're at currently, and this situation with the, um, the series with Jamaica for the Tiny Jamison Trophy. Uh, far from ideal, um, but uh, let's start with our girls first. Uh, the Silver Ferns, where do you think they are at? Uh, at the moment, um, post that com games, because it felt to me that while well, we might have had the fittest players there, we didn't necessarily have the, have the best players there. Yeah, well, we kind of like I think we're progressing really well and, make, and have made some really good gains. And you know, taking into consideration the players that you know were unavailable um, or you know not ready to to go over to the com games, in particular, you know, Amelia Andy Canazio. I mean, how exciting um, to have her back and to actually be back and feeling it, like really, like looking amazing. Um, you know, just a mother of two. I really, I think it's really humbling. Um, Karen Berger and Jane Watson, who are both, you know, like um, Jane having a, a baby as well and um, Karen who's been injured. You know, we've had some really, um, you know, like, Personally, I think we've really um, we've really improved in in regards to just being able to highlight um, other netballers to come in and to perform and play in um, you know an in international level. Like you know you you're looking at the likes of uh, Whitney Spooners who you know really performed quite admirably um, in her in her position, and even the um, young Kate Heffernan getting on there at wing defence. Um, that this is great for our sport. Yeah, I mean, it is good for our sport and the development. Um, I just, I, you know, I know it's probably an obvious one. People look at shooters and things, and I look at Alia Dunn's record in the, in, you know, in our last uh, ANZ Premiership, and I, I was scratching my head trying to think how, how she couldn't be involved, particularly when, you know, some of the shooters we have selected for, the, say, the Com Games and things um, don't have the best shooting records and have a history of, you know, maybe being, a, you know, a 7 from 10 shooter rather than, you know, a 9 from 10 shooter. Yeah, look, I, I have every belief that, you know, Alia one day will be in the Silver Ferns. Um, you know, I, I think she's a tremendous girl and she's got a great attitude. And I just love her. I really love her relaxed um, way as well. She's, she just brings something different. And, you know, like, you know, you've got to have those, um, you've got, you know, there are those expectations on the fitness requirements. And, look, she's nearly there. And I think that, you know, I think her coming down to the tactics, um, you know, she's under a new strength and conditioning trainer, Mark Drury, who's outstanding. I think he'll bring the best out in her. And, you know, like, that's what it's about. And, you know, like, like she's she's just got something about her. She, I think she, you know, like, I think she will be there or thereabouts in the, in the future. It's really up to her and, and where, her, where her mindset is, but, you know, and her heart, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one for me. I I kind of looked at you know some of those shooters we did pick uh, over her, and I think, oh man, but she's nailing it every every time. You know, I guess it's it's where you draw that line right between uh, output and you know being able to to do it for I don't know eighty minutes or whatever. Yeah, definitely, and it's also that it's just the whole thought that you know that that's why you have to have. You have to have those expectations. Um, I know that may suck, um, but you know, like it's not like it's set at level, like the fitness testing set at something ridiculous. Like you think, oh my gosh, like you know, if you were going for the, um, you know, if you look at the classic you know, New Zealand um, athletics and they have their, their expectation, their times, and they're like, 
you know the uh, the uh, top New Zealand sprinter, he would have he would have would have got a medal, uh, like you know, um, in there if he was doing that time, what, you know, whatever the time is. You you still got to have like ones that are realistic, and I think that's probably a good step. So I I can see her being there. I, I just think she, as she gets older, she gets more wiser, and she she's definitely got X factor when it comes to the shot. Yeah, all right. Yeah, she definitely has that. She definitely has that. I, I, I think that uh, that is something, you know, with her and Grace and the Wiki, I think we're in, we're in good shape uh, if those two can stay fit going forward um, as, as out-and-out shooters. What about then uh, Jamaica? I was really looking forward to the series, uh, the Tiny Jamison, with the Jamaicans, given, you know, they beat Australia, they beat us at the Com Games. I thought this is going to be great. So disappointing to have it delayed and delayed and then to find out only half the team are coming and, and things. I mean, they're, they're having to pull in players, a, reti- a player that last played professionally in 2017 to make up numbers. Uh, I mean, it almost feels like they should have just called the whole thing off. I don't know where you are on it, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not It's not ideal. Um, you know, and especially, you know, when you're, you know, like when you're going there and you, you're thinking that, you know, when, when you're, you know, like if you're a spectator and you're kind of like in good faith, you, you know, you 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 pay for you're thinking exciting that you know it's going to be that team that's that's you know like one over in, in the, at the com games etc. Um, but then to have the B team coming and then to have half the B team you know like have half of the team literally not coming um, that's quite disappointing. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's about playing another different culture. You know, like you still that Caribbean style. It's still exposing our athletes. You know, like to that style, and that can only be good for us. Um, leading into you know World Cup next year, they've got that aerial game, and that's what they'll bring. So, look at the at the end of the day, um, you know, any any competition is better than no competition. And you know, like to be able to, unfortunately, and you know, it's it's you know, like we are very fortunate that netball is held in high regard in terms of like paying and the the money associated around it. You know, Jamaicans aren't so fortunate. And, like, you know, that's a, a big thing for their administration. Like, they're onto a beautiful um, product. And, like, you know, they would have sponsors that should be supporting them and, you know, getting behind them. And that seems to be um, the, the hold-up, really. So, you know, it's sad because, you know, poor old um, us, we, we, you know, we didn't really know the fallout, um, you know, the, the actual situation Um fully until you know it came upon us but you know getting in there playing that Caribbean style can only be good yeah it can only be good all right well we'll hopefully we'll uh, we'll get a competitive game because as you say there are quite a few players missing seems like they need a sil- uh, you know a silver medal administration to go with a silver medal team uh, Mark should we put it that way I mean I don't know who looks yeah, after I these agree. things I mean how much of that was on New Zealand netball to organize and how much is it on Jamaican netball to organize do you know Oh, look, I'm not too sure of the logistics, but I'm telling you right now, you know, Netball New Zealand, they run a, you know, a good ship. So, you know, part of the thing won't be from our, from our end, I can tell you that now. Mm, yeah, good stuff, Marg. All right, hey, listen, thanks for taking the time out, mate. We'll let you go and get that Pinot Noir and, and get some dinner into you as well, <laughs> uh, recover from your, your big day. Really appreciate your time, mate. Go well. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Mark Foster here with us, former Silver Fern, of course, and proud Cantab as well. It is 23 past seven here on SENZ Extra Time uh, with Ricardo Ball. Yeah, an interesting Carla Borrego has been called into this Jamaican team. Now, she played uh, for the Adelaide Thunderbirds for a while.
Uh, she's going to come in as the eighth player. Because, so they've got seven who have landed, five um, did, couldn't make it because of visa issues um, to get, and it wasn't visa issues to get into New Zealand. It was visa issues to fly via the states. That was the problem that they uh, were having. So yeah, I mean, uh, Barrigo was a good player. I mean, that Jamaican team that she was in in two thousand three finished third at the World Cup, but uh, yeah, I don't think she's played professionally since she was playing in the English Super League in around 2017, 2018, something like that. So she's in as the eighth player. They've got two more players they're bringing from elsewhere. I think one's coming out of Aussie as well. So it's not going to be the same team we saw at the Com Games, unfortunately, because that was a team that was ultra-competitive. Like I said, they beat Australia. They beat us as well. But there are three players from that team in the 10 that will suit up for the Jamaicans. And you can hear coverage of that game live here on SENZ Game 1 tomorrow night from 7 o'clock. Uh, also coming up is the Cricket World Cup, the uh, T20 Cricket World Cup, that is. That is coming up in October in Australia. New Zealand, the Black Caps, they have named their squad for that World Cup. They've also named uh, announced the Tri-Series is going to take place in Christchurch between the Pakistanis, the Bangladeshis and the Black Caps to talk about that and more. Shane Jurgensen, the Black Caps bowling coach, he joins us after this. You're on SENZ Extra Time and today we saw the naming of the T20 World Cup squad for the Black Caps, a 15-man squad. Kane Williamson is the captain, Finn Allen, Trent Bolt, Michael Bracewell, Mark Chapman, Devin Conway, Lockie Ferguson, Martin Guptill, Adam Milne, Daryl Mitchell, Jimmy Neesham, Glenn Phillips, Mitch Santner, Ish Sodi and Tim Southey. And joining us to talk about that is the Black Caps bowling coach, Shane Jurgensen. G'day, uh, Shane, how are you doing? Oh, great. Very good. Thank you. Good to get it out, mate. Good to, good to uh, I guess, start building now and uh, looking towards that World Cup next month, though. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic news. And, you know, congratulations to all the players. It would have been a, a tough squad to pick because over the winter we've had some fantastic performances by individuals and, and, and also the team. So we've had a, you know, a good European tour. Um, then over to the West Indies of white ball preparation in Australia recently. So, you know, it's, it's been really good and, and nice to sort of everyone to come home and sort of you know, take stock and, and to, to look at look at the tours that we've just had. And then we've got a good preparation period now leading into um, the first game against Australia. Yeah, I mean, there's some revenge to be had there. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. But uh, let, let's talk uh, the teammates. Um, now, Adam Milne has held his place despite when he was originally named being a replacement for Lockie Ferguson, who is also now in the squad. So if I'm reading that right, does that mean that Adam Mills effectively Colin de Gronholm's the replacement? Uh, well, no, not, not really. I think it's more around the balance of the team. So the four, you know, Adam's part of the four fast bowls that are going. And he was part of the T20 World Cup last year. You might remember mm. in uh, Abu Dhabi in Dubai and, and did quite well. So, you know, he's been a, a very good T20 bowler, not just for New Zealand, but also franchise leagues around the, the world and the 100 in England. So, you know, he, he deserves his opportunity to, to get fit. And, he, you know, he's in a little bit of a race for time, you know, like he's sort of working his way back from injury. And uh, But all things are going really well for him at the moment and he's progressing nicely. And we'll see how he goes during the tri-series against Pakistan and Bangladesh. Yeah, that'd be, uh, that's, a, that's a great series to have as a lead-up uh, to the World Cup, of course. So a few other um, interesting calls in there. Now, 
the uh, it seems like with Colin de Gronholm, I've already mentioned, is sort of no longer in the picture with uh, what he's committed to outside of international cricket. One thing that I uh, was wondering through the Australian series and even in Europe was uh, Daryl Mitchell didn't seem to be bowling a lot. We always knew him back here as a you know as an all rounder. I mean, he batted as much as he bowled. He he was really a seven, and he ended up getting put further up the order and did a great job with the bat. But it seemed like there was a reluctance to bowl him. Is that changing? Do you think, or was there a reason behind that? Oh, I think um, his role primarily in T Twenty and and even one day as recently is probably leaning towards the batting. But certainly, um, I, I'd like to think, and you know, from my point of view, he's, he's always working hard at his bowling. And I'm no doubt. I think uh, you know, big grounds in Australia. We're not too sure what the wickets will be like that time of year. So. We need to have as many bowling options up our sleeve as possible, and, and I'm sure Daryl will will come into it because he's certainly been a good T20 bowler for in 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 domestic teams and his domestic teams, I should say, and they had and will will do for us. So surely will be uh, he'll be considered to to be part of the bowling attack. Yeah, I mean, you look at you know him and Niche obviously are also pace bowling options uh, alongside the four quicks that we've got, and then you look obviously at Mitch Santner, um, who did you know was probably one of the better bowlers in that recent series against Australia. Uh, Michael Bracewell's mm. sort of come onto the scene in the last year. Uh, what about Mark Chapman? Uh, he's a name that seems to you know he's in this squad, but he's not a name that um, maybe people remember or talk about as much. But he's a guy who can do a job with with off spin as well. Is he part of the plans from a bowling? point of view or is he viewed primarily as a batsman now oh look i think his main area will be uh will be batting but certainly his bowling will um, be used and i think that's the bonus of the squad that we've got we've got a number of options that can sort of cater for any conditions and um yeah i think uh mark's been getting a few overs in definitely in that nza tour in india currently right now so he's certainly be considered he had a, a really good role bowling in that you might remember the decider um, against Australia Wellington during the, the the COVID sort of period when we had no crowds at the, at, uh, the Cake Tin in Wellington. Um, so you know, his bowling will certainly come into uh, as being, again, like Daryl we mentioned before, potentially being used. I think it'll certainly be condition dependent. Um, you know, if the wicket's taking a bit of turn, sometimes at the, these sort of t- tournaments, you might be playing the second game on that day or, or there might have been two games in a row over over two days. So, you know, we, we, with our bowling options across the squad, it puts us in a really strong position to have, as I say, to be able to adjust and make, make the adjustments and adapt to whatever the conditions need at the time. Yeah, lots of bowling options, mate. Lots of bowling options. And it's great to see Leggy in there as well. And Inish Sodi, um, obviously he missed the recent ODI series against the Aussies. Um, I know that around that time, uh, Steady was asked about it and he said it was because he was going through a technique change. Um, how confident are you that he's, uh, you know, got that technique change down and is and is ready to fire at this level? Oh, Yeah. Ish has been a fantastic bowler for us in T20 cricket over a number of years now. If you look at his record, it's it's outstanding. So, you know, he'll have a really important role for us. He's had some great experiences too, playing in Australia in the BBL. You might remember a few years ago for the Adelaide Strikers. So, you know, he'll have a big part to play for the team, no doubt. And, um, he's Yeah, he's been working on his game, trying to, you know, continue to evolve and improve and made some adjustments in his run-ups and in his run-up and, and, you know, looking, you know, striving for improvement and, and consistency. So, you know, he's done really well for us. He had a good, strong uh, tour uh, during the, the winter. So, yeah, he'll certainly have a big part to play. 
without getting uh you know needing a whiteboard and you know a uh you know sort of a phd in physiology to understand it what were the changes how <laughs> and, and and why would you did you guys think they were necessary what did each think they were necessary oh look i think uh it's more about developing his game for for other formats not just t20 and i think all the guys really would like to play every format that they can and i think he's just gone through a little bit of a period of uh, potentially more more pace on the ball and more on the ball and that's what he wanted as a spinner to have the, the revolutions and the effect that you want to have and to be able to execute all, all the deliveries. So, you know, he's been working on um, a slightly longer run-up to sort of help him be able to execute that for longer periods. So, yeah, he, he again, he's just, it's just this really simple working on, on his long, you know, long-term um, development of his game. And, yeah, that's, that's sort of what he's progressing and we're really happy with the way he's going. We've got a bit of firepower in the batting lineup as well. I, I would imagine that uh, you know Finn Allen uh, and Guptill will, will will probably open, and then that will leave you know Devin Conway to come in maybe at three or or four uh, alongside Kane Williamson. So looks good there. Whereabouts do you see Glenn Phillips sitting? He's another guy we haven't really talked about as bowling, but I mean, boy, the the bloke can hit a ball. Oh, he's a real impact player for us, and has did that throughout. Uh, the recent series that we've had, he comes out, he's extremely positive, looks to score runs, uh, you know, and, and sometimes not necessarily with his power, it's just purely his, his intensity and running between wickets. It's just fantastic. And, you know, he'll, he'll have a big role, no doubt, in, in, in batting in the middle order for us. Uh, I'm not too sure where exactly, but, uh, you know, we've got a number of games to sort of work out that, that batting lineup, which is the, the great part, our lead into this World Cup. We've got uh, potentially five six, seven games, um, and plus we just had the recent series. So we've got a plenty of opportunity to, to, you know, nut out which which what's our batting order, and Glenn will certainly be a part of it. He's done really well for us. He has. Uh, there is a name missing in there that um, I, I guess, you know, solidity in batting and also as a, as a deputy in leadership, and that is Tom Latham. He's not part of the this squad. Um how, how, who do you see taking his role, both uh, in the leadership part of things and and also in the in the batting lineup? Oh, look, I think with with T twenties, um, Tom has has played um, not not the hugest role in, in recent times. Um, so, uh, particularly one day cricket and Test cricket, but with T twenty, the the way that the game is shaped, um, you know, and he'll certainly you know, be considered no doubt in the future and, and will continue to be as a fantastic player. Um, and, and in terms of his role in the team, uh, you know, there's a number of, of guys like, so Devin has been keeping, uh, Finn Allen can keep, so that, and even if need be, you know, the, the absolute pure rounder you just mentioned, Glenn Phillips, who can mm. bat bowl field and also we keep. So there's a number of options there for us to, to cover those areas. Yeah, it's a well-rounded squad, mate. You got the games against Pakistan and, and Bangladesh coming up. I, I believe the majority of those are in Christchurch. Is that correct? How do you how do you think um, that will set you up for for Australia? Given maybe the conditions there might be a bit different to uh, what you see in Aussie. Yeah, it certainly might be a bit colder at the, during the night games. <laughs> so uh, you know, but but it's you know it's a big field, which is like sort of Australian conditions, and that's what we're you know it's good to sort of mirror that and um you know tough oppositions too like bangladesh are a very dangerous side and pakistan have been an outstanding t20 team so really uh stiff competition which is what we want um and, and, and fantastic opportunity for our guys to be challenged and 
and and and also nutting out uh, the way that our side's going to um, shape up leading in this T20 World Cup. So yeah, it's a, it's a great lead in for it. Now, you might have a unique take on this, Shane, given uh, you were born and bred on the other side of the ditch uh, and you're involved with our cricket team. But um, obviously, I don't know, a few people have made this comment uh, post the series, and I think we talked about it during the series a bit as well, is, you know, I, th- I think it feels like New Zealand in Australia have the same mental block that some people have against the All Blacks at Eden Park. It's almost like there's, you know, 10 or 15 points on the before, board before kickoff. Can you put your finger on why we struggled to win an Aussie, given it's been since, what, 2009, since last time we did it? Oh, look, I think there's a number of teams that have, you know, been on the receiving end of Australia playing well in Australia, and I think that's that's purely it. I think... We, yeah, it's, it's been a while since we've won there and we've got a fantastic opportunity coming up to, to turn that around. And, and it's, that's all we can really focus on now is making sure that we're best prepared and uh, mentally, you know, strong and, and, and in, in our preparation to take on Australia. And, you know, we've got a number of different teams that we need to overcome in this T20 World Cup. Um, every game will be fantastic to watch and be crucial. So, you know, no doubt that first game against Australia will be, you know, what. Well, you know, it's always a good battle. We, you know, it's a it's a must win for us. It'd be great to get get the win, but even just have a really solid performance to get our T Twenty World Cup campaign underway. Yeah, indeed. All right, Shane. I know you're a busy man, mate. I really appreciate the time you have given us. Go well. Uh, good luck in the build up for the campaign in the World Cup, and no doubt we'll talk to you during that uh, tri series in Christchurch. Oh, fantastic! Thank you very much. Looking forward to the challenge. Thank you. 14 away from 8 here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through to 11. Shane Jurgensen was uh, just with us, the Black Caps bowling coach. Uh, keen to hear what you thought of that, what you made of the squad that they've announced. It feels like they've got cover everywhere. They've got guys that can do do everything. Uh, that's what it feels like. But keen to get your thoughts on it because sometimes it doesn't always, uh, you know, games, what's the, what's the old saying? Games aren't always played on paper. Um, I think is the uh, is is the way to put it, but and and you know that's fair. But I mean, if you look at this Black Caps uh, squad, I think you'll find that it it's hard to pick uh, where there might be a weakness in the Black Caps squad. Um, maybe you could argue that uh, do we have enough runs? Maybe, but even then, I think if everybody's on form, then you should be okay. I mean, this is the squad again. I mean, try and picking out an eleven from this fifteen. I guess some of it will be condition dependent, but you know it's Kane Williamson, Finn Allen, Trent Bolt, Michael Bracewell, Mark Chapman, Devin Conway is in as a wicketkeeper, Lockie Ferguson, Martin Guptill, Adam Milne, Daryl Mitchell, Jimmy Neesham, Glenn Phillips, Mitchell Santner, Ish Sodi, and Tim Southey. Um, now, when this team was named, because this was supposed to happen last year, uh, Adam Milne was in. Uh, for Lockie Ferguson. But now Lockie Ferguson's fit, but they're both there. Of course, there is no Colin de Gronholm anymore, uh, which is why I asked about the Daryl Mitchell thing, um, because it, he hasn't been bold as much as you would have expected, I don't think, but maybe he can cover the Colin de Gronholm role in terms of you know blowing, uh, bowling, I should say, the the slower pace ball. Um, so maybe that's that's where you look. So, I mean, you look, you've got four fasts. You've got Trent, uh, Trent Bolt, Tim Southey, Lockie Ferguson, Adam Milne, so four quicks. You've got uh, Daryl Mitchell, who's probably going to play as a batter anyway, who can who can give you some uh, some medium pace. Jimmy Neesham, who's an all who can be an all rounder as well. 
then you've got Mitch Santner, who can also play an all-rounder role. Uh, and then, you know, you look at uh, some of the firepower. I mean, Finn Allen can also cover wicket-keep, and he can open. We saw him do that pretty well in the third ODI of the Chapel Hadley series. Then you've got someone like Glenn Phillips, who can who can bowl some spin. He's a power hitter. He can he can bat anywhere, really. I mean, he has opened in the past for Auckland in T20s, so he could bat anywhere from opener down to probably seven or eight Glenn Phillips if you needed him to. Um, you got uh, Allegi in there and Ish Sodi, so it gives us that option. You've got Michael Bracewell, obviously he's a spinner to back up Mitch Santner. You've got someone like Mark Chapman, who's really a backup batsman in case we have an injury. But, I mean, again, handy batsman, can play, play spin really well, so might come into it when we play, uh, you know, some spin-heavy nations like the Sri Lankans, etc. Uh, the Indians as well, they might decide to play him over someone else. And uh, I think, yeah, just in general, it's a really well-rounded squad. It's just whether or not um, they can get it together. They've got these three, uh, well, this tri-series against Bangladesh and Pakistan and Christchurch leading up to it. I think that is good. That that, that looks good, and that should give us a bit more of a, a look at how they intend to play. Uh, I guess it's just on the coaching staff, making the right calls and getting the 11s right from game to game. I guess that's what we have to look at. So uh, your thoughts on that, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or you can text us on double eight double three. It's another option for you. You can always uh, send a text through. I also noticed that the ICC have made some law changes, some tweaks. So, you know, in the past, if the bat, if a batsman hit a ball deep and it got caught sort of on the boundary and the batsman crossed over, well, then the non-striker would face the next ball. Uh, but they've pulled that rule out now. So when a batter is out caught, the new batter will come in at the end the striker was, regardless of whether or not the batter's crossed prior to the catch being taken. So that is a one change. Uh, they have also ruled out spit altogether. You cannot use saliva to polish the ball anymore. That has definitely come into effect. And uh, this, I thought, was quite good too. The running out of the non-striker, now in the playing conditions and the laws of the game... This used to be listed under unfair play, but it has now been moved to being into the run-out section. So I think that means that the ICC and the umpires and that will be more lenient on that if bowlers are trying to run out guys at the non-striker's end. Um, if you are striking, though, there was a law where if you were running into bowl and before you're in your delivery stride, the batsman charges you, you could actually stop and throw the stumps down and run them out. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, it's called a dead ball if that happens. So yeah, a few interesting changes to the laws of the game uh, from the ICC, which will kick in, no doubt, just in time for this T- T20 World Cup. Uh, now, if, you, if you're in Christchurch, in and around Christchurch, uh, and you want to get to some of these games, this tri-series, as I mentioned, uh, some, some games coming up uh, starting Friday, October the 7th, uh, is the Bangladesh play Pakistan from 3 o'clock. And then... Uh, I think this is at, this is at Hagley. Yeah, that is at Hagley. Then on Saturday, October the eighth, the Black Caps play Pakistan in a day. Oh, I was going to say day, day nighter. It's a night game. It, it starts at seven, and then on the Sunday, the Black Caps play Bangladesh. Also at seven. On the Tuesday, the ba- uh, Black Caps play Pakistan at three, and then on the Wednesday, they play Bangladesh at three, and finally, Bangladesh play Pakistan at thir- on the Thursday at three. So it's two groups of three games. Uh, everybody gets three games, and then the two top teams will play each other in the final on October the 14th, which is a Friday, that is uh, from 3 o'clock, and then the Black Caps will depart for Australia the next day. 
Um, and they've got a couple of warm-up games already scheduled too, the Black Caps. They're going to play South Africa at Allen Border Field on Monday the 17th, and then India at the Gabba on Monday the 19th of October. The two warm-up games play in the World Cup. Uh, pool play, there are five games for the Black Caps. They play the Aussies at the SCG on Saturday the 22nd, then Afghanistan at the MCG. Uh, team yet to be no, uh, yet to be found out is qualifier A1, um, October 29 at the SCG. Then we play the Poms at the Gabba on the 1st of November. And our final pool match is against qualifier B at the Adelaide Oval on Friday the 4th of November. So that's the pool play. That's uh, how things are looking. For the Black Caps uh, heading into the World Cup, your thoughts on that and on the team uh, that we've seen and maybe on some of those rule changes. If you've got a thought on that, you can give us a call 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or you can text us on double eight double three. Coming up on the show, we're going to be talking rugby league after 8 o'clock. Lavina Good is going to join us, and uh, we're going to preview the two preliminary finals this weekend. The Cowboys taking on the Parramatta Eels, that one in Townsville, and then the big one I, for me, this is the game, even though I'm an Eels fan, the one I'm really excited to watch, maybe it's because I don't have a horse in the race and I won't be nervous, uh, is the Panthers take on the uh, this, the Rabbitohs, which is a, a rematch, of course, of last year's grand final with that big difference to that. We are going to have Latrell Mitchell uh, playing in this game. So we'll do that after 8 o'clock. Uh, Lavina Good will join us. After 9 o'clock, Jared Cronin's going to join us. We're going to talk NFL. Clinton Vandenberg out of South Africa as well uh, on Joe Parker versus Joe Joyce and on the United Rugby Championship. And then Johnny Davidson, uh, an Australian in the England talking Super League with the Super League Grand Final coming up this weekend. Um, there you go, they, they, all to come. Paul has called through on 0800 811. Paul, we've only got about a minute and a half, mate, but what did you want to hit? Uh, Paul uh, from uh, Wanganui, you there, buddy? Oh, right, OK, OK. We're going to come to Paul after uh, after 8 o'clock. OK, Paul, you hold there and uh, we'll come to you shortly. But anyway, that is what we have coming up. A uh, yeah, whole bunch of sport. Plus, we will take your calls as well. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Or double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine. Uh, whatever you want to talk about. I mean, we do have a Bledisloe Cup uh, second game at Eden Park this weekend. We heard from Jason Ryan earlier. If you want to chat that, we can talk that. What do you think that All Blacks team will look like? It looks like there probably will be some changes, I would say. Uh, it's usually a 10-day head knock protocol, so that would suggest that Sam Kane and David Harvey are probably not going to play. So what do you think about that? We can also talk the NRL. Obviously, Lavina is coming on next hour, and we will uh, chat to her about that, get her take, keen to get your take too on those games and who you think is going to be in the grand final. Uh, we've also got Joe Parker, Joe Joyce this weekend as well. So much sport coming up over the weekend. We'll be talking to Clinton Vandenberg from Mumble in the Jungle about that after 9 o'clock. Heaps of sport, your calls, your texts as well. It's coming up 8 o'clock here on SCNZ Extra Time. Just gone 8 o'clock here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock. Uh, Paul from Wanganui has been on the line uh, waiting to chat. Uh, mate, thanks very much for holding. How are you doing? Yeah, good, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. Uh, I was talking Black Caps earlier. What do you make of that squad and uh, what Shane Jurgensen had to say? 
Well, Shane Jorgensen was just didn't really answer any questions. We just media speak about this, that, and the other, and so and so can do this and that, and we're going this game at a time sort of stuff. He, he didn't answer any questions at all. Um, as for the Black Caps, I'm just not sure whether they'll score the runs quick enough with Williamson, Conway, Mitchell, sixty or seventy runs per hundred balls. You need someone scoring hundred and fifty runs per hundred balls in T20. Yeah, I'd be looking at um, maybe Phillips at four, Neesham five, just get some the hitters in and go for, go for broke. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, I, I mentioned in the interview that I was, um, you know, there's no Tom Latham, and I wondered if that was part of the reason there was no Tom Latham, because, you know, it's fine to have some one guy who can anchor in innings, if you like, you know, and hold an end up and, and score at 70 or 80%, but like you say, T20, you need to be scoring fast. Uh, I imagine it's going to be Phil... Uh, Finn Allen and, and Guptill to open? Yeah, um, I hope Guptill comes good. His, sort of, his record in Australia is not the greatest. Well, neither is New Zealand's, to be fair. That's true. I, I'm also a bit worried, um, can they afford to have Sody and Ferguson in the same team? They're, they're both either 3 for 20 or 0 for 50 boulders. Well, yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, that... The fact that the reason given by Gary Stead to not take Ish Sodi to uh, the Chapel Hadley when he was working on his new technique or his new his new run up or whatever it was that uh, that that Shane said, um, I mean that was only a couple of weeks ago, so I don't know how that's changed from now till then. No, um, you you watched the the fifty over series and Zampa was the best bowler, mm. so why wasn't Sodi there then? That they're picking sort of three bits and pieces off spinners and. Well, the record of off spinners in Australia is well. Anybody, any country, diabolical. They've got Nathan Lyon, who doesn't play. is is the best off spinner in the world. He can't get a game in the in the one day format. So, why play off spinners? Yeah, and we've seen that Australia have got have issues with the leg spin, don't we? I mean, not just the Zimbabwean guy that took five for ten uh, in this in the last game of the, that series, but in in general, the you know offies have. Been the undoing of Australia. Uh, sorry, Leggies have been the undoing of Australian teams previously. To be fair to the guy from Zimbabwe, I did watch a bit of that, and he he bought a lot of pies and got quite lucky with his wicket, sort of caught in the boundary and skied in the air when they were chasing runs. But that was just bad batting, not really good bowling. But that happens in any game. Yeah. It does. What do you make of some of those rule changes, mate? Uh, like uh, you know, if you cross over, you, you get caught, but you crossed over, then. The batsman coming in goes to the strikers' end rather than the other way around. Um, yeah, I'm not so sure. Um, I don't think it makes much difference. Don't it might make a difference if you're batting with someone lower down the order and you try and sort of take that run to the to the wicketkeeper or whatever, and someone gets run out. But uh, um, yeah, I think it's just tinkering for the sake of tinkering, making. The ICC look like they're doing something. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. I um, wanted to talk to somebody from um, New Zealand Cricket about it, but they weren't really keen on having the conversation. But I saw uh, earlier in the week, it came out that the BCCI, who, and we all know the BCCI really is the ICC, right? Um, well, it's Indian Cricket Board. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? So whatever they decide is a good idea generally happens. Uh, and their own domestic T20, so this isn't the IPL, but their own domestic T20, they are trialling a a new uh, tactical substitution law. So you'll name 12 players. And once during a match, you'll be able to make a tactical substitution, um, which I thought was quite interesting. It almost 
reminded me of having a pinch hitter in, in baseball because I, I imagine it depends on you know whether you win or lose the toss as to how that's going to work and, and what decisions you make around it. Yeah, well, if it's a key, you bowl Trent Bolt for four overs and take him off and bring in a batter. Yeah, well, to be to be fair, I mean his his six hitting at the end of the is, is not bad. Maybe it's uh maybe it's not him that goes. Maybe it's someone else. Yeah, but I say it's just well to make it more complicated. What what have done rugby? Mm, yeah, well, there is that too, mate. There is that too. Uh, so, what do you think, Paul? Who's your favourite to take out the T uh, Twenty World Cup? Um, I'm English, so I'm going to say England or Australia because they're at home. Yeah, yeah, all right. And are you are you, uh, are you happy with Alex Hales back in the fold uh, for England? I mean, he's been out of it for what three years now, and he's but he's back in for the World Cup. Um, I like Alex Hales as a player. Um, there's been lots of gossip and rumours like about his off the field antics rather than on the field antics. But in the end of the day, you should pick your best team. Yeah, I mean, is is he? Do you think one of England's best white ball batsmen? Um, his record in domestic cricket or around the world cricket says yes, mm. but then so does Josh Butler's. But Josh Butler then quite often disappears in big tournaments. He, he, I know he got a hundred, one hundred last year, but um, since then he sort of struggled, lost his place in the Test team. Um, yeah, so he's like no, but England. They play a very different side to the test team they they picked, and the baseball's been going quite well for them in the test cricket. So what the one day team? I don't know because I say I'm over here now, so I don't get to see much of it. Cause it's on the wrong time of the day for me. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, what, what, I mean, what do you make of um, Colin Munro not being considered for the Black Caps though in this format? Particularly, I mean, he absolutely destroyed um, bowling attacks in the hundred recently. Yeah, say so he's he's got a long term record of 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 success in this format. So yeah, he should be looked at. But I'm I'm a bit concerned for New Zealand cricket that um they're picking these and they're picking Bolt and they're not central contracts anymore. So what's what's the point of having central contracts? Well, mate, to be honest, I wonder how long it is before uh, Kane Williamson does the same thing. Although I mean, he's not in great form at the moment, so maybe he's not demanding the big money that Bolt is. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me. No, Kane's been good as a class player. Um, but say, look what happened with Joe Root when he took the captaincy of Joe Root. He's sort of, I don't know how many runs he scored in English summer, but it was, it was what it was when he was captain. Mm, yeah, they take the uh, take the pressure off, eh? Take the pressure off. Yeah. Man. Good stuff, Paul. Hey, thanks very much for your call, mate. No worries. Have a good show. I'll yeah. catch you soon. Yeah, will do. Cheers, uh, Paul giving a bell there out of Whanganui. It is eight past eight. Feel free to give us a bell, 0800 if it's the Black Caps you want to talk or if it's NRL because we're going to talk NRL next with Lavina Good. It's SENZ Extra Time and our good mate and our fellow eel lover, Lavina Good, is back from her sojourns. Uh, Lavina, good evening to you, mate. Uh, let's talk some NRL. I'm always happy to talk NRL with you, Ricardo, my fellow rugby league fan. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I, I'm in a good mood, mate. Why do you think I'm in a good rugby league mood? You guess. I, you I, guess. I, I, it's, it's, I want to say, I want to whisper it, but is it, is it our year? 
Okay, here's the thing. I get very nervous this time of year. As you know, I've yes. been speaking to you for the last decade about Parramatta this time of year, and it's normally last week when we bow out when the expectation is so much higher. But on the performance of the Eels against the Panthers a couple of weeks ago, there's a couple of things that had to happen. One thing is Mitch Moses had to lie to his doctor about getting his memory back and not having headaches because I know the Eels were absolutely desperate for him. And there'd be plenty of people saying it if it was the start of the year and if it was the Titans or Newcastle Knights and that player would have been out for a month. But he passed whatever he had to pass and the Eels absolutely needed him. Otherwise, I don't think that they would have won that game at the weekend. And, um, yeah, just I, I really think that performance um, against the Raiders on the back of the performance against the Panthers was... Showed faith in each other. They played a really wide game, which they did not do against the Panthers, and um, the forwards were willing to offload, which they did not do against the Panthers, and the kicking game was impeccable, which they definitely did not do against the Panthers. So they learnt from their mistakes, and and the Eels have, you know, they've got a, a bigger challenge facing them now as they head to Townsville. I mean, that's going to be a sold out twenty eight thousand people crowd, I would assume, and. You know, the people of Townsville are just so grateful for the Cowboys to make it this far. I don't know about you, Ricardo, but I did not have the Cowboys in my top eight. In fact, I think I might have had them in my bottom two when I look back as to the teams that were going to go forward. And they've surprised all of us. So it's a massive challenge for the Parramatta Eels as they take on a Cowboys side that we all thought would be a big surprise to make it this far. And at the moment, they're just about to knock on the big dance door, which they'd love to do. Yeah, would they what? And you don't, you're not the only one. I mean, I, uh, you know, you looked at the team that Todd Payton had and he didn't really add a lot in the off-season. And I think, myself, I think I've talked to Andrew Voss about this. He, he had them as wooden spooners and I think a lot of people sort of had them down, down the bottom. So they've done exceedingly well under Toddy Payton to get where they are. I guess the question is, how does Parramatta... Uh, counter that and counter the 28,000 um, if you're looking at it from a power point of view. I mean, Jason Talmalolo was a big part of that. It feels like the power pack is big enough to combat the Cowboys pack, and I think our uh, the Eagles' back line is better than the Cowboys' back line, but I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I mean, they, they did finish, what, second for a reason, third even. Yeah. Yeah, you, when you when you go player for player next to each other, it's easy to keep ticking that parameter side and say better, better, better player. But when you go uh, team unity and playing a, as a team that shows a lot of faith in themselves and will continue to play good for each other, then it's easy to tick the Cowboys side as well because they haven't backed off, off from any side throughout the year, even when they have been defeated by teams. They haven't been defeated by a lot. And, and we're talking about a Toddy Payton that was, you know, last year people were wondering whether or not he'd have a job the following year in terms of what performance he could put in. And, you know, he brought Chad Townsend, he brought in Peter Huku, and people are going, oh, they're going to do nothing. You can't do anything with them. You didn't do anything with them, you know, at the Warriors when you had It's not going to happen, not going to happen. And he's brought the best out in some of these players that were looking at the end of their career, to be honest. And he's really given them an, another opportunity, and they're, they're all playing tremendously well. I think if Parramatta managed to continue those offloads, um, with Lane and um, Regan Campbell-Gillard. I think there's an opportunity there for Parramatta to catch the Cowboys on the back foot. Um, but Parramatta were not willing to do that against the Panthers' defensive side because the Panthers moved up too quick in defence and, and the Raiders were just too tired to do that. We've got to remember the Cowboys are, are nice and rested and um, you know there's not many injuries that will be creeping into them. There's always that question mark against Mitch Moses, who is in fine attacking form and played like 
it was the first game of the year, not the 27th game of the year for him. Uh, but it would just take one bad knock for him and a, and a replacement for him um, for the Parramatta Eels not to be in their peak performance. Because he's the orchestrator. He's the linchpin. He's, he's not just, you know, directing the attacking play, but he's talking defensively in the line where everyone needs to stand and whether or not they move up. And it's almost like he's, he's the one that controls the team completely in all aspects of the game. And if they manage to nullify him, then it will be a very different Parramatta side. But Parramatta have got through that danger weekend, which was last weekend, on the back of a bad defeat the weekend before against the Panthers. We know the Eels have beaten the Panthers tw- uh, twice this year already. And if they get that chance to go through to the grand final, then I tell you what, there'll be some happy Parramatta fans out there. But this final means so much to the people of um, Townsville. It really does. Cowboys territory. And, you know, I was reading an article just earlier in the Sydney Morning Herald about the accommodation that's been sold out and back in the grand final in 2005 and back in 2017 and the finals of 19, et cetera, et cetera. All the memorabilia from then has been sold out and is worth an absolute fortune now. So, so the actual town just chews up this opportunity to be represented on this stage of rugby league for them. And they've got a home game and it will be absolutely hell for those Parramatta ill players, as you say, Ricardo, not just taking on a Cowboys outfit, but a side of 28,000 plus another 17 ready to bash them all up on the pitch and as they come off. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that part plays into it. Now, there's a couple of questions that need to be asked, Lavina. Uh, I thought, you know, the way that uh, the Canberra Raiders took Melbourne out and, the, in fact, the way that Ricky Stewart's got that team going in the second half of the season, uh, you know, I, I thought it was going to be an exceedingly tight game. I thought there's going to be an arm wrestle. We'll be nervous. We'll be texting each other right through to the end. But 40-4, to four, <laughs> I didn't see it blowing out like that. Did you? And what did you, what did you make of that? No, I, I was surprised by the scoreline. I was really surprised by the by the onslaught of Parramatta in the opening 15 minutes. And it did come from the offloads of, of um, Sean Lane and those other players that were deciding that they wanted to offload the play as much as they possibly could. And it gave, gave the back so, so many opportunities, which, you know, they hadn't had, I guess, in the past. Um, but I think the Raiders just looked really tired to me. And I know Parramatta had had a big game before, but the Raiders just did not have a, a kick in their step and, and nothing was going their way. Uh, their kicking game was very average. Their backs were missing horrendous tackles. I know they can score some beautiful tries, but not only were they missing tackles, but they, they were reading the defensive play really poorly. Like we could see where the ball was going to go, whether or not it was going to be a cutout pass and what direction that was heading in. But there was no defensive structure whatsoever from the Raiders and they, they paid the price for that. And then obviously the Eels realised that at half time, if they gave the Raiders an opportunity to score first um, in the second half, then it would be a very different game indeed. And obviously, Brad Alpha had a quarter at all these players and said, if you want to go on with this, the Raiders were looking pretty good at one stage. Um, we've been denied two tries. They managed to pick one up before half time. If they score next, this is a very different story. And the Parramatta made of last year and the year before and the year before that might have choked let them come back and not learn from any mistakes from the week before. But it was the same as the first half for the Parramatta Eels. They came out, they offloaded, they didn't miss tackles, they let Mitch Moses control every single play that he needed to control, and in the end, it paid dividends. So I was a little surprised by that, um, by the performance in the end. Um, 
I got my dog barking. Did you hear that? <laughs> I can. <laughs> I can. He's, with the cat. he's telling hey, he's telling us so, that we've got Reed Marnie next year. It's the dogs. They're talking. Oh my god, Reed Marnie, I love him. Can you believe Parramatta let him go? No. I mean, is that crazy? Yeah. I just can't believe it. I mean, honestly, we talk about Mitch Moses as much as you want, but when it comes to Reed Marnie, are there many players in terms of the distribution factor that is accurate and as aggressive as what he he has? His passing is absolutely impeccable. He finds the mark all the time. He never blunders and is not afraid of tackling. I mean, it was worth throwing the checkbook at him. And Papali is another one. I mean, you come over from a club where you're in disarray and you basically get turned into one of the best back rowers in the world. And that's another player that the Parramatta Eels were losing. So you get a feeling, Ricardo, as a Parramatta fan or someone that has followed Parramatta for many, many years, this is their year. And this may be the last opportunity in quite some time that they'll have a chance to go all the way. Because when you're losing players like Reed Marnie, etc., that's quite challenging as you move forward in this competition. They're players that you really cannot replace. Exactly. I 100% agree with you. Although Isaiah Papali has been making headlines for all the wrong reasons and Aussie recently for yeah, saying and refu- refusing to say that he's going to be in the uh, Tigers team next year. They reckon there's a backflip coming. So uh, once the NRL announce what the cap is for next season, we might see a change on that front. Hey, we should talk, of course, uh, there is another uh, preliminary final as well this weekend and um, that sees the Panthers up against South Sydney in a rematch of last season's grand final. I've got a feeling this is going to get nasty and uh, I think it's going to be a gnarly game. I think it's going to be all sorts going on and the difference between this year and last year is a bloke called Latrell Mitchell. Yeah, he's on fire. He's come out right at the, the, the perfect time. He certainly entices the team to play above themselves. That's what I like about Latrell. A very aggressive player, plays with a lot of heart, um, passion and spirit and he's a great player to watch and can create so many opportunities and also um, reads the defensive play excellent as well when he's in that full back role. I remember Gordon Tallis actually saying last week, Ricardo, when um, he was talking about the Bunnies taking on the Sharks, and he said it was really interesting. He doesn't always say interesting stuff. Sometimes he does. But it was really interesting how he said, you can't beat the Bunnies in a game of touch footy. You just won't be able to do that. They have too many light-footed players, and they're sensational with the ball, and you've just never beat them when it comes to a game of touch footy. And that's what the Sharkies tried to do. They tried to play that light-footed touch footy. And then in the end, the Bunnies were too good for it. Well, the Panthers play a very different game. They don't play that touch footy outlet game at all. They won't do that. So I think it will be quite aggressive. I wouldn't be surprised if um, there was a bit of biff out there. And I do think that the um, Bunnies put a lot on the line over the last couple of weeks to try to get to this stage in the competition. And there's something about having that week off it just makes all those players refreshed and an opportunity not to have the injuries and just to, you know, attack the next game. And they know they're one game away from the grand final. I think the Panthers might have too much in them at this stage of the competition not to get into the grand final. But I'm still really bitter at Nathan Cleary for the state of origin. I can't get over him. Like, when he was playing against Parramatta two weeks ago and playing like a superstar, I'm like, what happened to you in game three, you man <laughs> I couldn't believe it I'm like why didn't you do that in game three and I thought and I went back and I thought it was obvious because Billy Slater told seven of his players shut down Cleary shut down Cleary get on him get in his face don't let him kick you're giving him two time to kick don't worry about anyone else don't let him offload 
shut down Cleary, shut down Cleary. And then he got swamped and he got panicked and the players around him panicked because they realised that their game player was being shut down and no one else wanted to take on that responsibility. That might be the key for the um, Bunnies to try and defeat the Panthers is just to shut Cleary down. Don't worry about anyone else in that team. I know there's some superstars in there, but just shut him down. Make him flustered. Make him question his ability, just like Billy Slater did in Game 2 of the Origin Series. And the Bunnies have a chance to get a place into that grand final. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing, man. It's a, it really is a couple of fantastic games. Uh, Lavina, have, have, you, have you, got a, you got a prediction for us? Who's going to meet in the grand final? Mate, in round one of the competition, I put a sneaky hundy on this team called the Parramatta Eels to win the grand final. Oh, wow, okay. What were I've they paying? Ticket hanging around. I've got that ticket hanging around. They were paying $5.90. Nice. There you go. You do the odds. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'll I tell you what, they could they could buy a couple of trips on the old, uh, on the old uh, home. Uh, I'll be keeping that one quiet. Yeah, mate. I'll be yeah. keeping that one quiet from the hubby, mate. I won't be telling him that about that yet, all right? You could do a craft beer tour on good. that quite nicely, I would have thought. <laughs> that would be quite fun. That would be quite fun. Um, and I and it would be great if it's a battle of the West. I would I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers make it through, and then all um, all eyes would be on the Penrith Panthers to be able to um, take that notch again. And at the start of the year, I always thought that the Panthers had it in them. They've got the right culture, the right players, the right attitude to to win another grand final. But if it's going to be that battle of the West, and one of the big Sydney sides miss out, then I think it would be fantastic if the Parramatta Eels. To go all the way, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys uh, snatch a spot as well, and if the Bunnies manage to shut down Cleary Darren with a chance. And that's what I've loved about the competition this year, Ricardo. Whether or not it's the salary cap or just the fact that the competition has exceeded every expectation, but even if your team isn't doing well in the competition, it's still such a brilliant product. It is the greatest game of all, and you can appreciate every game of league, especially during finals footy. And I've loved every bit of it, and I can hardly wait for the weekend. And the only annoying thing is that there was no Sunday footy this week. Yeah. That was the only annoying thing for mm-hmm. me. I'm with you. With you on that front, mate. With you on that front. Hey, Lavina, thanks for coming on tonight, mate. Always good to chat. Go we well, do. and we'll catch up soon, eh? Look forward to it. I'll text you during the match, mate. You know I will. I know it. Look forward to it. Lavina, good there with us talking rugby league here on SENZ. It's 28 away from nine here on SENZ. Extra time, Ricardo Paul with you through to 11. Lavina Goodyear with us uh, previously and uh, talking the NRL finals uh, get underway, the preliminary finals. The first one between the Cowboys and the Eels gets underway at 10 to 10 on Friday night. The uh, team lists are out. Here's, um, you know, we had a few guys under injury clouds and suspension clouds, but the team lists are out. This is what it looks like. Scott Drinkwater at fullback for the Cowboys. Kyle Felt and Murray um, Taulangi on the wings. Valentine Holmes, Peter Hickey in the centres. Tom Dearden at six. Chad Townsend at seven. In the forward pack, the Cowboys have got Jordan McLean, uh, Reese Robinson at hooker. Ruben Cotter is the other prop. Then Tom Gilbert, uh, Jeremiah Nanai and Jason Talmalolo on the bench. Hamiso Tabuai Fidel, Luciano Leilua, Cohen Hess, and Griffin Neem. Um, so that's the interchange bench. They do have Jermaine uh, J- uh, Tanoa Brown, Tom Chester, Jake Glan- uh, Granville. Ben Hampton and Brennan Elliott on the extended reserves bench as well. They take on the Eels, who look like this. Uh, Clint Gutherson at fullback, Micah Sivo and Wanga Blake on the wings. Will Penasini and Tom 
uh, Opasic in the centres. Dylan Brown at six, Mitch Movers is at seven. The Ford Packers, Regan Kim, Campbell, Gillard, Reed Marnie, and Junior Paulo as the front row. Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali'i as the second row. Ryan Madison at 13. Bryce Cartwright, Jay Carter, Oregon Kalfusi, and Marata Nuakore uh, make up the interchange bench. On the extended reserves bench, uh, Makahisi Makatoa, Bailey Simonson, Nathan Brown, Ofahiki Ogden and Kai Rodwell as well. So, like, you know, as we talked about with Lavena on paper, that Eels team looks stronger than the Cowboys team, but the Cowboys team have been getting it done all season long. Dylan Brown, uh, who's also been named in the Kiwis from the Eels, was talking earlier today. It's exciting. I haven't been there before. Um, I always love a road trip. Um, but, yeah, it's obviously going to be hard coming from Combank and changing the scenery up a bit, um, but I'm excited. I haven't heard much about playing there, but um, yeah, it's obviously warm, but yeah, like I said, it's exciting and we're just keen to get in there and hopefully take out the wins. Is that daunting going into the unknown somewhat? Nah, nah, it's just footy. Footy, footy stays the same, you know, it's obviously a different location, but you're in, once you get into the stadium, you know, you switch, switch focus and you're there to play footy, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. So. What about you? Went to Darwin earlier this year. Yeah. Like, that's similar position. What's the feeling like with you defended for, for 10 minutes? You want to burn a bit more? Oh, yeah, obviously. You, you lose a few kilos in the game, you know, you're sweating and all that. Um, we had a few sick boys last time we played, so. Um, and I was playing centre as well, which was odd. I don't actually remember until you looked at the video. So. Um, it'll just be, yeah, it'll be good to go up there and you know, take them on in their own, in their own town. Yeah. You know, obviously, just got to get it down as far as you can and um, take on whoever, because, like you said, all three of them can run the ball very well. They're all good under the high ball, so um, yeah, we just got to defend well. Um, I'm not sure. He's uh, he's in a training. Um, he's happy as always, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, oh yeah, I'm playing like my best footy. Um, that's not to say that there's not um, you know a long way to go as well. Um, but yeah, I'm playing good footy now, and I feel like the whole team is. And when you know when you got players around you playing their best, it helps you a lot, especially being a halfback, you know, or five eight. Sorry, um, having players like you know my friend over there, Sean Lane, um, disrupting teams' defence lines and stuff is just makes everything easier for the rest of the team. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just having our hands on the ball, you know, the more touches we have, the better the team goes, I feel, and that's something we didn't do against Penrith. Um, so to finally do that properly, and same with Gutho, when he's got our hands on the ball, you know, we get more points, so, yeah. Yeah. Nah, well, I've been playing for long enough, you know, I know my role, and I know what I have to do for the team, so I don't feel the pressure. It's it's just what I do. It's my job. It comes with it, so um, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, it's obviously a good performance, and um, the scoreboard was pretty significant, but. 
it's, uh, it's a whole new game. It's the finals. Anyone can do anything. And um, the Cowboys have been in unreal form as well, you know. So, um, yeah, I still, there's still uh, a lot, lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They've obviously got a bit more to lose, and we, we're going up there and, yeah, just doing our thing. So, yeah, okay. They got 2,000, mate, yesterday to a training session. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Some of those blokes from Cape York and the Gulf, they yeah. round trip to 600k. Oh, really? Yeah, if, far out. If the crowd is a factor for them, how do you shut it out? Um, well, like I said, you know, you go in there. It is, it's, it's lovely having a massive crowd behind you, but um, at the end of the day, you know, you know, you're there to do one job and it's just a place. So um, you can't really hear anything, anyways, when you're on the field. So um, it's up to us to stay united as a team and work on what we need to do. So. Are you united, given Brad's comments after? Friday's yeah. Game? Yeah, I was a bit confused. For? I didn't actually know what was going on there because I feel like we're fine. You know. Good relationships everywhere. I haven't really seen any of that go on. So, Dylan, in your young career, how does this, how big is this game for you with a spot in the grand final and stuff? Yeah, I don't think like my age really matters, but um, you're right. It is probably one of my biggest games. I've never made it past the second round of finals, so I'm stoked to get one step ahead of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's nerve it's nerve wracking and it's um, it's exciting at the same time. So we're very keen. Yeah. Is it, how much yeah. No, I think it is massive. You know, mental game. I'm, obviously, your body's a big factor, but when you go in the right headspace and know that you've done the right work throughout the week, which is what we're doing now, um, we've planned to go up um, a bit later in the week. So I feel like that's allowed us to, you know, work on our game a bit more throughout the week and go up there knowing that we're ready to go. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's massive. Um, when you're defending well, it's it's huge, you know. Whether, like, for example, on the weekend, we were more happy with how many um, tries we allowed them to score was only one, rather than our points. So, um, yeah, defence is huge, and I feel like we're doing a much better job in that. Um, so it's good heading into the finals. Yeah. I think like the more time you spend there, you know, the more drain you probably get. So um, I'm happy with um, the, the staff's decision to go up on um, the day before. So yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's massive. I reckon that's huge. Um, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's big. You know, we'll go up on our own flight and in our own company. So yeah, no outside noise or anything going up there. Does the Darwin game become part of the video session? Well, it's obviously you can't put that behind us, but there's things we take out of that. <laughs> there's things we take out of that game, and um, but we've changed a lot from that game. It's been a long time, so we've improved a lot, and so have they. So, yeah, it's more closer to this game. There you go. That is Dylan Brown talking ahead of the Eels' uh, clash with the Cowboys this weekend. The TAB, the Cowboys are favourites to the home team. Of course, they uh, did finish um, third in the ladder as well. They are paying $1.70. The Eels are paying $2.11. The point start is just two and a half points. So uh, looking like it'll be a tight one between 
the Cowboys and the Eels. Uh, meanwhile, the Panthers and the Rabbitohs, they play 10-10 to on Saturday night. They've released their teams as well. Dylan Edwards starts at fullback for the Panthers. Charlie Staines is in on the right wing. Brian Toto switches to the left wing uh, with Tylan May suspended. Uh, Isaac Targo and Stephen Crichton are the centres. Jerome Luai is at six, Nathan Cleary at seven. Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris are the props. Upper side, Cottesau is the hooker. Viliami Kikau, Liam Martin, second row. Isaiah Yo is at lock. Then you've got Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen, Spencer Leniu and uh, Jamin Salmon on the bench. The extended reserves include Jermaine Hopgood, Sunia Turuva, uh, Chris Smith, Sean O'Sullivan, and Matthew Eisenhuth. For the Rabbitohs, uh, they have lost Saliva Havili, who's their reserve hooker, usually came off the bench uh, to give Damian Cook a spell. Uh, but other than that, they look pretty much full strength. Alex Johnson seems to have recovered from his injury. He's playing on the one wing, Latrell Mitchell, at fullback. On the other wing, it's Tane Milne. Uh, the centres are Isaiah Tass and Campbell Graham, Cody Walker and Lachlan Elias are the halves. Tavita Totola, Martin Nichols, the front row with Damian Cook at hooker. Uh, Keon Kolomatangi and Jai Arrow are the second rows. Cameron Murray is the lock. And then on the bench, Cody Nikarima, uh, Hami Sili, Michael Cheekam and Jed Cartwright. That's the interchange bench. The extended bench is David Mowali. Blake Taff, Josh Mansour, Richard Kenner, and Jacob Host as well. Uh, from uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, Latrell Mitchell, man who could be the difference maker this weekend. He was talking ahead of the weekend's preliminary final. This week, yeah, no, it's exciting. It's um, yeah, something you look forward to, I think. Um, yeah, it's a grand final rematch, supposedly. So, uh, yeah, really enjoy you know, the build-up, and um, we'll get through our stuff this week, and get to the game and play a game of footy. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, mate. So, um, yeah, look, mate, it's, uh, it's, like I said, it's exciting to see, you know, where the footy's, you know, we've come along and how far we've come and um, third time lucky, I suppose. And, um, yeah, I went through a lot and, uh, yeah, there's obviously a fire burning there. It's always fuel there, mate. It's always the fire. That's why I play the game. So I just love the game and the competitive competitiveness that it brings. And uh, yeah, this week's uh, one of those weeks that I look forward to. I'm talking to the Panthers yesterday. Obviously, the man shut down to yourself. Um, oh, you know, Hopefully, they're not worrying about my teammates then, and then they can do their jobs. Uh, you know, if I can take that off off the boys and you know, put the pressure on myself, then I'm happy to do so. Oh, I love it. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, played in a few big games in my career and, um, yeah, I just love a crowd around and um, singing out and, and whatnot. And, you know, semi-finals times is the best time of the year and uh, you know, opportunity to, you know, sort of be who I want to be and uh, be the best version of me. And um, I think that's what I look forward to. And so that's why I said it's exciting. You've got a great record in finals games. Which do you think it brings out the best in you as well? Uh, I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't know. It's just the, the pressure cooker moments, I guess, that I love and uh, it's what I thrive on and um, it's do or die as well. So it's um, something to look forward to this week and 
um, yeah, I can't wait to get out there today and, and train with the boys and get what we need done. And um, yeah, I'm excited. You got asked about that great final last year. <laughs> Just sitting through that, can you take us through how painful it was for you to sit through that and watch it and not be involved in powers? Oh, it was pretty much self-explanatory. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've got nothing to really say on it, to be honest. That's in the past, 12 months ago now, and um, yeah, today is a new day. Why do you love <laughs> Oh, I think it's just, um, I don't know, it's, it's just everyone's at home, love or hate me, uh, just do what I do. And I know yeah, even my worst enemies are watching my games and that's the best part about it and it's for me to put a show on and, and, uh, and entertain. Does it take you while to embrace that? Because that's like, was it, you're so shy about this. I don't know, when I was a bit, you know, a bit yellow, I suppose, when I was younger and 18, 19 coming through, it was a bit different. And, um, but now I'd sort of uh, taken on board of, you know, a role and um, sort of made me the person I am today. And uh, I guess a lot of off-field stuff of you know, helped with, with what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, and the footy's just, uh, you know, just a bonus, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely at home here, and um, I really enjoy being around. You know, such a great bunch of boys, and um, they make my family welcome, and, and that's the most important thing for me. It's that family connection, and um, and, dev- and obviously, you know, the indigenous ties are here too. And uh, this community is, you know, raw, and um, and I love it. But just in terms of your, um, to pick one or two teammates, it's probably hard. But who is really? had an impact this year on, on the side that you sort of didn't really anticipate? Oh, definitely our, our captain. Um, he's, he's really taking it upon himself. I know he's had his struggles and, and whatnot coming into that new role. And, uh, but he's really, you know, I've really enjoyed seeing him, you know, grow and, uh, and definitely Cody. He's, um, you know, second to none when it comes to, you know, what happens on the field. And, um, yeah, I just love being around the bloke. And, uh, yeah, he's my best mate, my brother. And I, I love him. And, um, and that's why I think, you know, I enjoy my time here as well. Yeah, mate, it is definitely. They're a great side. And like I said, um, after the game, it's, um, you know, they've got a standard that they, they've set and they, um, you know, everyone wants to play to that sort of that level. And uh, it's a credit to them. They've, um, you know, they've built it over the last couple of years. And, um, and Ivan, yeah, pretty good credit to him as well. He's, he's done really well coming into that role and, um, and build a, you know, a force to reckon with. So. Played a bit of footy with Nathan. Last question, Played a bit of footy with Nathan. Yep. What's the key to stopping him? How important is he actually keep him under control? I don't know. I, I just sit at the back and try and catch his bombs as best <laughs> I could do. Um, yeah, I guess it's just this week, just focus on ourselves, you know, and bring it back to the team and, um, you know, us doing our job and focusing on the club and, and what we have to do around here and putting all our energy into that, it's, um, it's probably one way of stopping it. Yeah, I love, on ourselves. love that last answer um, from, from Latrell Mitchell when asked, uh, you know, how do you go about stopping Nathan Cleary? I don't know, mate. It's not my job. I stand at the back and catch his balls. Um, <laughs> well said. Well said. Latrell Mitchell there uh, talking ahead of the game Saturday night between the Panthers and the Rabbitohs. Panthers are big favourites in this one. $1.37. The Rabbits, three bucks. The points start eight and a half.
as well. Eight and a half points is the point start. Who do you think is going to be in the grand final next weekend, the NRL grand final? Let us know. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 or double eight double three. It's a truly terrible song, um, so apologies for that. Uh, but uh, we have had dogs throughout the show, haven't we, uh, Ben? We had uh, when we were on the phone. Lavina heard dogs barking in the background. Latrell Mitchell's interview: dogs barking in the background. Well, that's why I played it. I, it was a bit of a theme, so that hence why I played it. But it's the only ever time it will be played by me. But I just thought it would just continue the running theme. Yeah. But I didn't see you react, and I thought, ah, oh, well. Yeah, but disappointed. <laughs> Sorry, I apologise. I apologise. I do. I do remember there was a great rugby call. I don't know. Well, great is maybe uh, you could argue that, but I remember um, Hamish Mackay commentating the All Blacks once. I think they had a game on TV three for some reason. TV three got the rights to a to, to a test match, and uh, Doug Hallett scored the tri- scored a try, and Hamish Mackay ripped out. Oh, who led the Dugs out? Um, <laughs> and uh, which was I'm not sure if it was genius or cringe I'm still still undecided all these years later well I think TV3 used to have delayed coverage because when I was younger and started watching rugby that's we used to see it on TV3 it used to be like an hour delay right so yeah. that's probably probably what it was yeah. who, who let the dugs out who let the dugs out Dougie Howlett um, now Dom has texted through he reckons it's going to be a Rabbitohs Eels grand final and Rabbitohs for the win 34-20 is what Dom's saying um, there's that old saying you got to lose one to win one and both the, the Panthers and the Rabbitohs have been in a grand final of late I don't think it's been a while it's been a bit of time between drinks for the, the Eels in 2009 Cowboys are a bit probably not quite as long as that but I don't think there's many players left there that have played a grand final well the Cowboys were 2017 was that last grand final and the Rabbitohs actually won it in 2014 mm. so yeah you would say that they've all got more Grand final experience than the Eels. You would. You would. You'd have to say that. You'd have to say that. But thanks for your text, Dom. Uh, 34.20 to the Rabbitohs over the Eels in the grand final is what he's saying. What do you think? Let us know. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Double eight double three. In the next hour, we're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk boxing. We're going to talk United Rugby Championship. It's one past nine here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through to 11 o'clock. Uh, keep your texts coming through on your predictions for the NRL Grand Final. Patrick's just sent one through saying, sorry, mate, I've got Cowboys versus Souths in my final. Uh, always a good show. Cheers, Ricardo. Yeah, cheers, Patrick. Thanks for that, mate. No, no worries, mate. You've got to go with your gut. Go with your gut. A uh, man who knows much about that is Gerard Cronin uh, out of Australia, NFL uh, and uh, Warriors Tragic. G'day, Gerard. How are you, mate? A very good evening to you, mate. I always follow my gut, especially to the fridge. <laughs> yeah, it's always, if anything like me, it's always easy to follow because you don't always see it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, let, let's move on uh, and talk some NFL. Um, mate, how hot are the Titans, uh, sorry, the Titans, are the Bills right now? The Bills. I've uh, actually come up with a nickname for these guys before. Mm. That's actually the Buffalo Wood Chippers because... Man, oh man, some good football teams have just run into them and been chewed up and spat out into really tiny pieces. Uh, they have just been amazing. Uh, and I know coming into the season, everyone was talking about it. Bills, the Bills, the Bills. Uh, the thing I've always wondered about the Bills is maybe more a mental game in terms of you know their history, in terms of how they've lost four Super Bowls on the trot and just had a, a really unfortunate set of circumstances. Um, surrounding them, you know, losing certain playoff games and whatnot. So that was always my big sort of worry about them coming into the season. And it still is a worry. However, it's becoming far less of a worry when you watch them put up 41 points 
on the uh, the hapless Titans today. Man, oh man, what a victory! I was going to say, you know, the wood chippers is not bad. I would have, I, I like the alliteration. Though. I would have gone with the buffalo thrills because it is, <laughs> is thrill a minute, isn't it? Watching them, forty-one points, as you said. Josh Allen is on fire. Stephon Diggs, like, well, how many touchdowns he get today? Three, I think. Uh, yep. Looking, looking good, man. Looking really good. And you know, I know this was the Titans, but you got to remember, first game of the season. You know, they they went through the Rams like they weren't even there. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that's actually the scariest part about it is that their defense is just playing at an incredible level as well. So, uh, you know, Diggs and um, Josh Allen and the offense, they're, they're, they're a supreme machine. But, man, the defense was the number one ranked defense last year uh, before they got to the playoffs, of course. But um, they are, they're playing at such a high level. They've added in Von Miller, and they've just elevated even further. They are they're making life miserable for the opposition offensive lines and just generally you know teams um their, their offenses because yeah ryan Tannehill and uh and the, the titans boys going back to tennessee uh with the tails between their legs they are now the other game that we had on monday night football i thought was going to be harder to pick because we saw the vikings go through the packers in in, in game one and uh uh, the Eagles struggle to put away a Lions team who I think are better than people expected them to be, to be fair. So I thought this would be tight, but uh, no, the, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, uh, they, he just drove that team on and, and, and they blew out uh, a Vikings team who last week put a marker down. Now I think we're moving that marker back a bit. Well, that's right. It's, it's funny to even think that the NFC East has currently got two of the unbeaten teams in the league and it's... Mm. First of all, the Philadelphia Eagles, who everyone was, you know, getting on the bandwagon uh, at the start of the season with the the additions that made in the off season. AJ Brown, the wide receiver, is a, a huge add uh, to their lineup. Uh, but I guess yeah, a lot of the questions were all around what quarterback Jalen Hurts was going to be able to do, especially with being able to throw the ball. Because uh, coming into the year, uh, he his percentages were actually a lot lower. Uh, in terms of how many times he'd thrown the ball from the uh, within the pocket, so I don't know how much of that you know has been put to bed, uh, but he has you know he's he's got some nice touches when he does throw the ball, but man when he runs it, oh he, he he's a load, he is hard to stop, and he showed that today in uh, that one of the touchdowns he got where he had about four defenders on him just uh, you know five meters out from the line and. Just kept on driving and got in there for a wonderful score. Yeah, I don't know if you remember him, but uh, there was I remember a guy, quarterback, who used to play for the Eagles called Randall Cunningham, who was capable of, you know, he was a, a quite an athletic quarterback in days when quarterbacks didn't used to run a lot, if you know what I mean. And uh, I remember Randall Cunningham playing for the Eagles and running the ball to the line because he had, he had you know, got caught in the pocket so he went wide, went out to the right, and then went, hang on, there's a gap here, and he just gapped it to the line. And as he got to the line, two tacklers came across, and he kind of used the momentum he had gathered with them hitting him, and he flipped, <laughs> He did a backflip over them into the end zone. I don't know if you remember wow. that touchdown, but it was superb. It ran, I always remember Randall Cunningham after that. Amazing. Yeah, a little bit before my time, but I've, I've definitely heard the legend of, uh, of Randall Cunningham and seen a, a few of the highlights in the old the old school green jerseys they used to wear in Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, well, we should talk Kirk Cousins as well, because, you know, a lot of people were singing his praises after uh, game one against the Packers. But I don't know if you've seen this, but his Monday night record is <laughs> terrible. Uh, he's played 12 times or started 12 times in, on Monday night football, and his record is 2-10. 
Yeah, not great. Uh, only marginally better than uh, both mine and your uh, Monday Night Football records, really. Uh, <laughs> Mate, I've never and... lost on Monday Night Football. <laughs> <laughs> Unbeaten. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a real worry, uh, and it's been you know really um, following him this this. I guess the 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 stereotypical conversation around the bright lights come on and and Kirk just sort of wilts under it all. Um, I don't know in terms of how much to blame this particular loss was. All I've really caught is the uh, the highlights as they were bouncing back and forth on ESPN today. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was it was a tough day. He was throwing a few interceptions, sure, um, but yeah, I think that the the Vikings got a little bit of work to do to just try and get things. You know, just rolling again. Um, they had a, obviously a good win in the first week at home against the Packers. Uh, but, you know, back to reality this week, traveling away to Philadelphia, not an easy task. Um, so, yeah, they've got a, a bit of work to do. And, you know, they've got some really good pieces in there. They've got Dalvin Cook at running back. They've got Justin Jefferson, who's, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the whole NFL. He just quietly goes about his business and just puts up massive numbers. Didn't do so today. But, um, you know, having a weapon like him is, is only going to help Kirk. Um, but, yeah, he does really have to try and put that Monday night monkey to bed, I think. Uh, let's have a look at a few of the other games, mate, and, and talk to the Bucks and the, and the Saints. Um, I thought the Bucks were not lucky is the wrong word. They were the better team against Dallas, but Dallas were terrible. Um, <laughs> and then they'd lost Dak Prescott. So uh, I wasn't sure that they would get past the Saints in New Orleans. But does this look like a Bucks team that's actually – Maybe doesn't necessarily need Tom Brady at quarterback to win. I mean, sure, he's he's getting behind the drives, but they're not scoring a lot of touchdowns. I think what if they scored two, three touchdowns in two games? Yeah, look, it, it's it's got a lot of the hallmarks of perhaps those early Patriots teams that mm. Tom was playing with. You know, he was playing with wonderful defenses, and you know he'd he'd be able to do a little job here and there and just you know keep things under control from his side of the ball. But largely the strength did lie with the defense. Uh, I think Tom will get going. Uh, I don't think he's really slowing down. He's only probably about what uh, fifty-eight years old, whatever he is now. But <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think he he'll get going um, and probably doesn't necessarily need to do a heck of a lot in a Bucks system where you know everything is geared towards. You know, got a lot of a lot of stars on defense. Also across on the offensive side of the ball as well. Uh, also interesting to note that they have lost. I think perhaps all of their starting offensive linemen um, that finished last season. So that's through either going to other teams or picking up injuries. So some of those, a couple of guys may come back as time goes on throughout the season. Uh, until then, they've probably just got a little bit of, you know, just a, bit, a little bit of work on their combinations. Tom himself had a bit of time off in the off season, had about 11 days uh, away from, you know, training camp to um, go and deal with some, Family issues, probably um, a few household chores, painting the fence or, or mowing the lawns. Um, so, yeah, they, they've got a I, – I guess that they, they, they're they just basically – they'll time their run well. Um, and I think, yeah, they, they could be – yeah, it'd be dangerous as always. Always respect the Bucks. Always respect the Bucks. You heard it here first. A team that doesn't generally get a lot of respect for, for a lot of different reasons is the Giants. Um, but they're 2-0 at the moment. I mean – they have played the Titans and the Panthers aren't going to threaten playoffs, you wouldn't think. But you can only beat who's put in front of you. Are the Giants better uh, this year than they have been before? Well, I guess so. Yeah, I, I feel like they've made some progress. It's like you say, it's it's hard to really know just how far they have come um, because they haven't really played any you know full-on opposition. 
Uh, they've got a game coming up Monday Night Football uh, against the Cowboys. So that will be that could be an interesting little marker as well. Not that the Cowboys are playing at a a, a very high level, but uh, it could be just a little bit of a marker for the Giants. So really, you know, put down a, a, a stake in the ground and say, hey, we are going to be a contender in this NFC East. I'm still not sold on them. I actually went into the season thinking that they may be, um, you know, rounding up the field in terms of one of the worst teams in the league. So, um, you know, the, the start for them has been really good. Uh, they haven't been, you know, they've only been just getting by and just scraping victories. But, uh, but you know, in any way you can get them, definitely take them. Yeah, take them all right. Uh, and the Cowboys took one. They got one over the Bengals, twenty to seventeen. I, I wrote the Cowboys off after last after last week. I thought your defense is nowhere. You've lost Dak Prescott. You got nothing. Um, this is going to be a nothing season. And I thought the Bengals would uh, you know would win that comfortably. But it wasn't to be. The Cowboys got on the board. I mean, uh, have you know are they going to be looking at this and going, hang on, why are we spending all this money on Dak Prescott? Our number two is actually pretty good. That's right, Cooper Rush. He's got a, a wonderful primetime record. It's actually probably equal, if not better, than uh, Kirk Cousins already. Um, but yeah, like the uh, it was it was a funny old game that one. Watching the the Cowboys were they were defending really well. Uh, it's 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 interesting to watch that Bengals team. They are, I guess their offense is a bit like it's a bit like having a Ferrari installing it twice at the lights. Um, that's kind of. <laughs> That's what they've been like so far. You're waiting for them to kick into gear and show us what they've got. Uh, but no, the 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 Dan Quinn led Dallas Cowboys defense, uh, they just caused a few problems for them, uh, and they picked up about seven sacks, I think. Um, great for uh, great for the Cowboys, not great for the Bengals. Who have, I think they've conceded about thirteen in the first two games, which is you know it's not going to lead you to anywhere decent. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Cowboys sort of fell asleep towards the end, let the Bengals back in, uh, but just did have enough in the tank to, you know, get that last field goal and uh, and make Steve McIver a, a very happy man. <laughs> very happy man, indeed. <laughs> very happy. Yeah, a, a happy McIver is a good McIver. Uh, we also saw a, a, a real shootout um, uh, between Miami and Baltimore. Uh, 80 points scored in this game. Uh, the Dolphins getting the win, 42-38. You worry about conceding 38 points in a game, but, I mean, they had a good win week one as well against the Patriots, really stopped their offense. Uh, how good are this Dolphins team, do you think? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, they could well... Um, they could be very good, actually. Uh, they've got a well-rounded side. Uh, they've got a really good defense special teams and they've had a solid unit on that side of the ball for the past couple of seasons it's just been a matter of what they've been able to do when they've got the ball in their hands now i know a good defense doesn't you know sound like it will be given up 38 points but uh, now they've got a few extra pieces on the offensive side of the ball so it could actually balance things up you could have those shootout games where you can get the result and you can have those also you know drab defensive sort of struggles like they had really in the first game against the patriots and, and win those as well. So the fact that they are picking up the wins in different ways, I was really excited to see Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback for the Dolphins, come to life. He, you know, I think he threw about four touchdowns in the last quarter and about 250 yards. That, that's that's pretty good going in a game. Uh, to do that in one quarter, especially when you're down by 21 points, uh, that's, yeah, that, that's something special. So people have been waiting to see, you know, when is it going to be Tua's time? And, 
yeah, it could well be tour time right now. Could be tour time. Could be tour time. Uh, well, I mean, they uh, there there is a small matter of the bills that they they'll, they'll need to navigate <laughs> at some point. But there we go. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's been a t- uh, and a, a weird start to the season. Um, like I was talking um, to uh, Shiraz uh, uh, Sias uh, the other day, who's the New Zealand flag football team uh, coach, and we were going through some of the games and we were like, oh, you know, um, the Jets are trash, they're not going to win. What happens? The Jets win. Um, you know, like the Jaguars are, ch- are trash, the Colts have a decent quarterback, they should win that. The, J- the Jags win 24 nil. Um, you know, we mentioned that the the Patriots look toothless against Miami. They should uh, the, the Steelers should win that. It's in in Pittsburgh. Uh, we made a lot of big calls. Not a lot of them came true. Um, the Cowboys was another one losing. So um, it's been a, a, a you know to steal an old uh, rugby league saying harder to pick than a broken nose this week. <laughs> That's right. I tell you what, if you if you manage to get any multi bets on this particular round of the NFL. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're a genius or a madman because to be able to pick those results, even watching the games as they were unfolding, uh, the, the Jets game where they came back, they were about 13 points down with less than two minutes to go uh, in the game, stole that one. Um, and yeah, there was just some crazy comebacks, some crazy wins, and like you say, some good upsets. The Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, 24-0 over the, the Colts. I actually thought the Colts were going to go into Jacksonville and maybe get a bit of revenge on them for last year because they were the ones who curtailed their playoff hopes in the end. The Colts needed to go there and win, and they would have been in, and they blew it. And so for them to go out and just get blanked once again, um, maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe they've got the Colts' number, perhaps. Uh, but you've got to feel a little bit for Colts fans who are, you know, they've been long suffering for the past three seasons. They've tried different quarterbacks here and there and, and been waiting for, you know, someone to actually get them some decent results. But, um, yeah, the uh, Jaguars could be an interesting sort of team to watch. I think if you look at it holistically, uh, I, I feel like the NFL is just a such a wonderful competition. When you can have rounds like this where it's just completely all over the shop and, you know, you've got teams who are topping their respective divisions who you wouldn't have predicted you got the Jaguars on top in the AFC South. They're the only team to have actually won a game in the AFC South. Uh, and like you mentioned as well, the, the Giants 2-0. Uh, there's been yeah, there's a, a lot of surprises. And you know, it, just, it really keeps you on your toes. And I, I think it's refreshing. It's great to see a lot of the teams get rolled when you expect them to easily win. Now I've got to ask you, Gerard, what, what what's going on with my Raiders? I thought we'd we'd done a, done a pretty good job uh, recruiting. I thought the, the coaching appointment was solid. Uh, mm. We're twenty to zip up against the Cardinals in Vegas, and managed to lose twenty nine twenty three. What what's going on? Oh yeah, I, I I felt for you in this game, and I was actually wondering when you were going to bring the topic up, if you were going to pull the band aid off nice and early and just you know get straight into it and pass it, but. Um, but here we are, and um, you know, I commend you for uh, for bringing it up. Um, it was it was a tough one for them, very tough. Um, they were everything was under control. They're up twenty nil at the break at halftime, and yeah, things were just cruising along nicely. You thought, okay, the pass rush is doing well. They were keeping Kyler Murray very restricted in terms of what he was trying to do, and yeah, Derek Carr was was doing enough to get by with his offense, and you know him and. Devontae Adams were getting touchdowns and it was like, okay, great. This is this is ticking along pretty well. The home crowd would have been hoeing into their halftime hot dogs, um, you know, well happy with what was going on. And then 
wow, all of a sudden, um, as, as things developed later in the game, man, they just they fell to pieces. You lose uh, If you lose the momentum in this game, it can really come back to haunt you, no matter how far the team is down. Um, I was actually just looking before at the uh, the Kyler Murray uh, two-point conversion. <laughs> where he, uh, You start your two-point conversion from the two-yard line. And he ended up running for 85 yards uh, as he danced around all of the Raiders defenders and, and made it into the end zone to, to get that two-pointer. That brought them within... Um, within a touchdown later in the game. So it was a big play, but it was, it was such an incredible highlight reel for, uh, you know, just for two points. It probably should have been worth three in my opinion. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's just not a bad call, mate. I mean, it, it's uh, yeah, frustrating in, in position, like you say, to win and then can't close games out. Um, so, I mean, you, yeah, I, I'm going to know what it's like to be a Warriors fan. Fair. <laughs> um, off the back of that, um, uh, it has to be said, uh, it has to be said, I mean, is, who, who, um, who have you been most impressed with two games into the season? Oh, definitely the the Bills, um, the 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 Woodchippers, the <laughs> uh, the what was it? The Thrills, the Thrills. Um, yeah, the they yeah, thrills. honestly, they have they have come out and yeah, they've just been incredible. Um, I think that it's going to be a, an interesting examination of what they've got and what the Dolphins have next week. They're playing in one of the uh, early games on Monday morning, so. Uh, so that could be a um, yeah a really interesting matchup. It could be I don't know um, an eighty points to seventy nine sort of uh, score, perhaps uh, probably not. But um, yeah, that, that, that's going to be a really interesting examination of of what they've got again. But every post they've made a winner, they've just come out, they've slayed the Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champions, the Rams. They went home Monday night uh, against the uh, the Tennessee Titans. And that's that's the team. I actually thought the Titans might give them a few worries in this game because traditionally these games have been, you know, a little bit up and down in terms of which teams have won at home and away. And usually the, uh, the last couple of years the away teams actually had a, a better result. So I thought the Titans may not necessarily win, but I thought they might give them a shake. And uh, yeah, the only thing they really shook was probably their uh, their hand before the kickoff, and, uh, and that was the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we should talk 49ers as well. They had that big upset loss in round one to the Bears. Uh, they bounced back and beat the Seahawks this week, who in round one upset the Broncos. I mean, it's been all over the show. Uh, Trey Lance um, played in the loss, had surgery. Jimmy G comes in. The 49ers win. It's, it is, I know it's two, two rounds in, but if you're Trey Lance, you're looking at that thinking, it's taken me all this time to, to break in. We get upset in the first game. I go out. He comes in. Bang. Back to winning ways. Yeah, look, you've got to wonder. The the guy must need to buy a lottery ticket because, man, he's had some pretty poor luck, poor old Trey. Uh, and, yeah, to see that um, the extent of his injury was was, was pretty shocking. Um, but as they had mentioned in the offseason, they were trying to get rid of Jimmy G for basically the entire time. They were locking him out of, you know, practices, even though he was still part of, technically part of the uh, the roster. They were not letting them practice with the team and, and just trying to find a way to, you know, get rid of them. Um, and the fact they kept them around just on a bit of a wing and a prayer, <laughs> it's actually come pretty good already in week two. Um, so uh, I'm intrigued to see what sort of style of football they're going to play with the uh, well, the off offensive side of the ball because Jimmy G is not really the most athletic sort of type of guy compared to Trey Lance. Uh, and they may well revert back to, you know, the old 2021 playbook which, you know, just quietly got them all the way to the NFC Championship game, um, which is not all that bad. So uh, if they can get their running game going, 
Jimmy G will do his thing. He's he's a winner. He does, you know, he's he just um he, he's efficient, does his job, doesn't you know, it doesn't really um light up the statistics a hell of a lot, but he'll he'll get by and be tidy. If they can play tough defense, run the ball. I mean, it just sounds exactly like 49ers football to me. Mm. Yeah, you're not wrong. It does. It does. All right. Uh Gerald, we should look ahead uh briefly to next uh the next game round or the next round I should say game week three uh in the NFL because uh it's it, 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 they're coming thick and fast now these games and I know you've mentioned a couple of games already for this week but I mean, I, I look through uh, these games that are coming up and, you know, that Bills-Dolphins game uh, looks looks one that it's that's going to be a must-watch, you'd think. And I know this might sound a bit weird given the type of football they play, but I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be averse to watching that Lions Vikings game. Mm. I, I think the Lions are uh, might might surprise a few this uh, this season. And then also the Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz running around at quarterback. Uh, you know, welcome his old team, the Philadelphia Eagles, too. So a few intriguing matchups. Very much so. And I was actually looking at the uh, the Lions game there on the schedule just before you mentioned it. So um, it's it's yeah that that could be a, a quite an intriguing battle they in the first week they pushed the uh, the philadelphia eagles you know pretty much right to the uh, the brink they gave them all they could handle uh, and then of course this week they came out and got a good win against the commanders so they're going to be heading into minnesota they'll be playing in a dome which they're used to playing at home as well so that that you know that will be one thing that will be in their favor of course the hostile vikings crowd probably you know won't in their favor but that's all right uh yeah interesting to see what they can do they've, they've got a few nice pieces in there they're just they're they're scrappy they will they'll fight in tooth and claw all the way they'll they'll just and you know embody what coach dan campbell was is really all about he's just wanting them to get out there and fight not give up stay in the battle and uh you know always always just you know keep your head up and, and give it everything so um if jared goff can go in there and uh and tip up the vikings and the lions could you know potentially even jump to the lead, dare I say it, of the uh, the NFC North. Um, it could just be, you know, we'd be living in an upside-down world. I don't know what, be, what is actually going on. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, every <laughs> chance, because um, another game that I haven't mentioned yet, actually, is a potential NFC Championship playoff game, you would think. Um, and that's the Packers and the Bucks take on each other, Rodgers versus Brady. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, it's... Um... The games just keep coming, you know, and it's. Uh, I, I suppose it is early in the season for us to be able to figure out who's who's really who. But you would definitely expect that the Packers and Buccaneers, once we get into the latter stages of the season, they'll be two teams right in the hunt, uh, and and you know more than likely leading their respective divisions uh, and and fighting for an NFC title as well. So, uh, yeah, but Tom at home going to Tampa Bay two and zero with the Bucks there, welcoming in Aaron Rodgers and. And the Packers, who yeah, they've been okay. They started a little bit, of course, in the first game against the Vikings. And then they came out and beat the Chicago Bears. But to be fair, that was really expected. And the Bears, they haven't been great in recent years. And and as Aaron Rodgers has actually proclaimed in recent times, he owns the Bears. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, the Packers may be warming to their task. It'll be interesting to see what they can bring to that particular game but uh Brady and the Bucks at home yeah 2 and 0 oh, it, it could be a it could be an interesting one but um I, I think the Bucks might just have the edge you would think mm. and then the battle of the west as well NFC west versus AFC west 
the 49ers go to Denver to play the Broncos. Um, don't cover your ears, Broncos fans, but I mean, uh, famously in 1990, Super Bowl, uh, the biggest ever defeat in Super Bowl history, 55-10 the Niners did the Broncos by. I don't, I'm not suggesting we're going to see a repeat of that, but uh, it's always a good rivalry game, this one. Yeah, very much so, and added a little bit of spice as well with the uh, the 49ers running back into old mate Russell Wilson on the uh, the the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And they would have been thinking, okay, great, he's gone out of our division, and here we are, run straight back into him in week three. So, uh, yeah, fascinating matchup this one as well. Uh, the Broncos, yeah, the Broncos have actually they've picked up a couple of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. Wide receivers have have been you know falling off a little bit like flies there, but. They've got a solid, solid sort of side. I like that they've got a double-headed running back machine, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Those guys, they they play hard. They they run hard. Um, and and if Russell can just try and just get a little bit going with his receivers, I, I feel like that they could be a, a real, a really dangerous team. And I know that they are in the AFC West division, which is yeah, that's you know it's stacked. You got them, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and and your boys as well the old uh, tax evaders. So um, they, they could be a power in the AFC if, if they get things going. That's a big if. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and the 49ers as well, we've, we've mentioned about how they will look to probably play the game. Probably interesting to see how well Jimmy G can just reacclimatize to, you know, being in the, back in the pilot seat and, and just running the show. Um, and yeah, I, it is funny how things work out, isn't it? All of a sudden, He's gone from being, you know, out the door to um, to being the the main man in charge of of trying to get them a victory. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just funny how football can change in the space of a couple of weeks. Mm, very much so, mate. Very much so. Looking forward to it. Good stuff, Jared. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Let's uh, let's talk NFL again next week, eh? Oh, mate, looking forward to it already. Can't wait. All right, good stuff. This is Extra Time on SENZ. When we come back, we head to South Africa to join Clinton Vandenberg from Mumble in the Jungle. We're going to talk Parker v. Joyce and the URC. It's 27 away from 10 here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock. And joining us from Mumble in the Jungle out of South Africa, Clinton Vandenberg. G'day, Clinton. How you doing? Hi, Ricardo. Uh, always good to be chatting. Uh, no complaints. Thank you. That's good, mate. That's good to hear. I know, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit of rugby later on, but first, let's talk some boxing, mate. Big heavyweight bout this weekend. Joseph Parker um, up against Joe Joyce in Manchester. I've been watching some of Parker's training videos. He's training with Tyson Fury and a big ice Blandick bloke whose name I can't pronounce. Um, so he's, he's training with some very big heavyweights. I guess that sets him up pretty well to take on Joe Joyce. How do you, how do you see this fight going? Yeah, big fight. Uh, the heavyweight, I must say, I love it. Um, as, as you well know, it, it's seldom that you get you know sort of well matched heavies. Um, yet, yet this is one of those, uh, no question. Um, Joyce is a big man, uh, bigger than Parker. Uh, I mean, it's utterly fascinating. Um, you know, they're both guys uh, who have big ambitions. Um, and, it, you know, obviously, Joyce being a home fighter, I think is incredibly important. But, of course, Parker training with Tyson Fury is massive, uh, who is, is, is even bigger than, than Joyce. Uh, Fury's got a lot of hope, a lot of respect for his pal. Um, and they've really struck up a kinship, uh, which is you know pretty cool to see with uh, essentially what arrived. Um, I must say, uh, Ricardo, I like this fight very much. I think it's going to be uh, tight as heck. 
and, and probably be quite a special fight. Well, there's also, I mean, something that Joseph Parker's been trying to, to, to talk up in the media. Um, Sky Sports UK obviously have the fight, and he's been saying, well, look, you know, I've lived in Manchester the last 18 months. He's from London. Most of the crowd will be on my side because I've got Tyson in my corner. So it's hard to say who it's going to be a home fight for in a way. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. But the one thing I don't think you can argue about is, is the Brits are the best boxing fans in the world. Uh, not only do they do they pay up and come out to support their fighters, but they're very loud, uh, which is brilliant. And I dare say, uh, given what you said, the crowd will probably be split. Uh, there will be some uh, some sentiment for uh, for Parker, but uh, you know, not forgetting that uh, Joyce is the home man. He's also an Olympic medalist, uh, which you shouldn't underestimate uh, in terms of the the public's affection. It, it's an interesting matchup too because you know Joyce is such a uh, a big man and he's a bit older than I think a lot of people think. You know he's thirty six, so he's actually older than Joseph Parker. You know, but he doesn't have the professional record that Parker does. He seems to me to be quite a static fighter. He just likes to walk forward and and impose on people with his size. Uh, whereas Joseph Parker, you know, probably better footwork, probably faster hands. Uh, it's intriguing to see how this plays out. Yeah, it's a good point, you know, but another another kind of static fighter you might uh, think about in his second uh, incarnation was George Foreman. Mm. You know, he wasn't particularly quick. He was quite uh, cumbersome, um, you know, didn't throw combinations, but just he was seriously strong. You saw when he when he knocked out uh, Michael Moore all those years ago for the heavyweight championship. And Joyce is a bit like that as well. And I think people underestimate his boxing pedigree. So he's incredibly slow. Uh, but when he catches up with you, uh, he's, he can be pretty deadly. We saw when he fought Dubois, who was a young gun, and people were raving about Dubois coming through. And Joyce just walked him down. Um, so he's one of those guys. He's methodical. He hits incredibly hard as well. So he's, no, he's not going to outbox you. He's not going to outsplit you. Uh, but, but I think his power and his strength is, is very significant and will be a big feature this weekend. What do you know about Joe Joyce's jaw? How, how, how durable is he? Well, listen, he's been cracked. But, you know, if you think back in the, in the amateur days, um, of course, people change and they, they get bigger, they get stronger. But he lost to Joshua as an amateur on points. Um, and he, he boxed uh, Usyk as well, uh, the current heavyweight champion, and, and lost on points. Um, and certainly as, as a pro, he hasn't been down. Um, and to my knowledge, hasn't, hasn't been obviously hurt either. So he takes a he takes a shot pretty well, and if you think he's fought, you know he's fought decent guys. Uh, Dubois could certainly punch, and Dubois couldn't couldn't make a dent in him. Uh, Christian Hammer as well. Uh, I mean, in and in and out fighter, but you know with a de- decent dig as well. But he couldn't uh, hurt Joyce at all. But for me, the you know the form thing was Dubois. How he managed to walk through him, uh, which is very significant. And I, I dare say Dubois probably a bigger hitter than Parker. Mm, yeah, that'll be interesting. And the one thing that I have noticed with Joe, uh, Joseph Parker, that is over his last couple of fights, and this is something that David Naika, um, who we've had on before um, and was part of that training camp as well, has talked about. He said, you know, the biggest thing he got from training with Andy Lee and, and Tyson Fury was less about actual boxing and more about wanting to hurt someone when you're in the ring. Um, you know, he said that he and Joe, you know, maybe it's a Kiwi thing, I don't know, they they tend to be, they don't have that killer instinct, he said, whereas, you know, training with Tyson and training with Andy Lee, it's all about how can I hurt my opponent, I want to put the hurt on him, I want to make sure that he knows he's in here with somebody who's going to do him damage. Um, 
which is interesting because it's a di- it's a different shift for for Joseph Parker. I mean, he's never had a nickname like a lot of boxers, Clinton. But the one that that was teed around a lot for by his camp when they were thinking about whether or not to give him one was uh, Joseph the Gentleman Parker. Uh, this seems like he, he's he's pivoted away from that. Yeah, it, it, it's a good point. And if you contrast it with the most recent fight this weekend where Canelo spoke of, of wanting to hurt uh, Triple G, wanting to end his career, which really got under Triple G's skin, he in fact referred to that. Um, but you can understand where that comes from. And in fact, I think, uh, you know, you might, you might choose a different phrase to kill an instinct in a sport as dangerous as boxing. But, but I do think there is a virtue in having that, uh, that ambition and having that that desire to hurt your opponent because it's either, you know, it's either you hurt him or he's going to hurt you. There's no question about that. And I must say, looking from afar, Parker has always struck me as being a nice guy when in fact you want somebody with a bit of an edge to them. Um, I think that's really important. You know, what worries me is that about 18 months ago, he went life and death with Derek Chisora, you know. I mean, that's a guy you should get out of there if, you, mm. if you're a guy like Parker. Of course, he won the rematch as well on points. But um, I would certainly, you know, for all his ability, his speed, his footwork, um, his natural instinct, I would like to see somebody who digs a little bit more. Yeah, all right. Okay, so uh, from everything you've said, Clinton, I, I, I feel like you're leaning on uh, leaning the Joe Joyce side in terms of a, a result here? Uh, yes, I am, but, but narrowly. And in fact, I think uh, Parker's durability will help him. I think he'll have his moments in the fight, but uh, I just suspect that Joyce's heavy hands uh, my proof telling over, you know, over the distance. Mm, I'm looking forward to that fight coming up this weekend. Um, before I let you go, though, Clinton, we should talk United Rugby Championship. That is back. Of course, we've had a had a, a one round back now. How has this new uh, competition gone for you, for the from a South African point of view? Um, and are the fans buying into it as much as they bought into Super Rugby? Yeah, that's a, that's a good a good question. I think that that sort of more importantly or more broadly is that what people are, are seeing is a springbok team in transition. So they haven't dominated as we hope they might as world champions that kind of thing. But um, there's no question that they're enjoying the championship. But I think what they're enjoying is the competitiveness of it. You know, um, obviously going down to Argentina and not being absolutely certain that you'll get a result, particularly after they beat uh, they beat the All Blacks, notwithstanding what happened in the in the, in the rematch. Um, but I think uh, the, the fact that it's all been ultra competitive is really good. And and no matter the state of the relationship between South Africa and New Zealand in particular, uh, for the fans, it still rates as a massive contest and probably the ultimate contest as well. And uh, I must say, Australia, they've had the wood on us in, in Australia for, for many years now. So to get a win down there was uh, incredibly important as well. Um, and I think what we left with, you know, after all the wrangling, the fighting, the fallouts, et cetera, we still left with a, with a pretty robust championship um, that, that demands a lot of the players. And it's still very appealing on the eye. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's good to know. It's good to know because I did wonder that. I mean, I, I, part of me thought South African fans. You know, if you're a Lions fan or a Bulls fan, you, you just want to see your team play and compete against someone. But did it make a difference if it, that that team was Welsh or Irish or French uh, or or Italian or or if it was a Kiwi team? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Uh, no question about it. And I must say, there are pockets of fans I talk to, and uh, we desperately missed. Uh, many, many of the teams from uh, from Super Rugby, um, and people, you know, it was obviously there were great rivalries, but we we grew quite fond of, particularly the Kiwi teams, 
um, uh, you know, the way they play, what they put on. And, and the URC has been a slow burn. Of course, URC is what we play super rugby. It's been a slow burn, but it helped that the Stormers won it. And uh, Sanzia have slowly fallen in love with the new competition. It's very good. It's very welcoming. It's got a lot going for it, but it is not super rugby. Mm, indeed. All right, Clinton Hayes. Listen, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Great to chat to you. Good to, good to be able to chat some, some, some fight sport with you as well, not just rugby. Uh, yeah, looking forward to Looking forward to that uh, that fight this weekend, mate. There's plenty, plenty more big fights coming, and uh, some more Kiwi boxers for you to watch out for, mate. If, if you're going to watch the Cambosis Junior Haney rematch, uh, David Nika and Hemi Ahio, two Kiwi fighters, are on that undercard as well. So another couple to keep your eye on. Thanks for the heads up. I look forward to it. Yeah, good stuff. Clinton Vandenberg from Mumble in the Jungle. Co.za there with us out of South Africa, 17 away from 10 on extra time. This is SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock tonight. Uh, Joe Parker, Joe Joyce uh, is coming up this weekend. Just talking to Clinton Vandenberg about that. Around 10am New Zealand time on Sunday. Uh, Now this is the market. Uh, Joe Joyce is actually the favourite to win this fight. He's paying $1.44. Parker, $2.50. The draw, $19. Here's the method of victory. Joyce by points or decision, $2.50. Joints by knockout or TKO, $3.50. Joe Parker, points or decision 375, knockout or TKO 650, the draw $19. And uh, interestingly, uh, just noticed, would have been handy to have known this uh, when we got Clinton on, but I've just seen the uh, Springboks have announced their team for the uh, game against the Argies this weekend, the Pumas. They need to win it and win it well uh, with a bonus point, and they have gone strong. Uh, Stephen Kitchoff, Malcolm Marks, and Franz uh, Malaherba are the, the the front row. Then Eden Etzebeth and Lud Diaga, uh, the locks. Saya Kalisi, Peter Steftu Toy, and Jasper Visa is the uh, loose three. Then Jaden Hendricks uh, is the nine. Franz Stein playing ten. Uh, Makazoli and Pepe on one wing. Cannon Moody on the other. Damien Delende and Jesse Creel. In the midfield, Willie LaRue at fullback. They pretty much put out the best team they can, I think, uh, this weekend against the Pumas. So uh, that will be one to watch, uh, a big win needed uh, to put the Rugby Championship title to bed and then hope that the All Blacks uh, don't do something similar against the Wallabies at Eden Park. It is 10 away from 10 here on SENZ. Six away from 10 here on SENZ Extra Time with Ricardo Ball through till 11 o'clock tonight. Uh, some news out of the NRL. Corey Oates, the Brisbane Broncos winger, he would be a free agent. Uh, well, he is a free agent effectively uh, now, but he has just signed a one-year extension to stay at the Brisbane Broncos. He was in talks with Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins, but has decided to stay at the Broncos for next season. Although, it's a ten, well, not tenuous. I was going to say it's a contract for a year, but I mean uh, the way that things work in the NRL. Uh, in five weeks' time, you can start discussing a contract with other teams, anyway. So who knows what that means, Ben? Um, Corey Oates staying at the Broncos. Who, yeah, it seems like they've got a few things to sort out there. I see Kevin Walters has been talking about uh, clashing with Ben Eichen, um, who's you know running things. So it's never good when the the head coach and the bloke running the football club aren't, aren't getting on. 
Well, it's not very really good when you're sitting in a fourth place with six weeks to go and you miss out on the top eight. Yeah, I know. So I, I'm assuming that's probably a bit of a reason behind it, but it's quite funny you're saying just about Corey Oates there. And I was thinking the exact same thing. Well, you said it, he's, he's effectively a free agent and get him five weeks. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, that doesn't – I mean, he signed the deal. It doesn't, really mean, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play for the Broncos next season. Well, I, I think, I, and credit to Corey, though, he was on the outer at Brisbane, I think, yeah. when Seabold was there. Yeah. And he kind of worked his way back in and kind of reestablished himself. So good on him for kind of working his way back in there. Actually, you know, you had um, Anthony Seabold on the Saturday session last weekend. And I see now he's gone into the Newcastle Knights to be an assi- assistant in inverted commas to Adam O'Brien. That feels like Adam O'Brien has got about three or four games to save his job next year. It feels like when Nathan Brown first rocked up at the Warriors under Stephen Kearney. Exactly the same thing. So Anthony Seabold be Knights head coach by round four next season. That's the call. That's what we think. Next hour, we'll talk Super League Grand Final. You're on SENZ Extra Time, and joining us out of the UK is uh, an Australian in exile, John Davidson. How are you, mate? Well, I'm very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. Uh, you got the Super League Grand Final uh, just around the corner, of course, and uh, it's, it's going to be full of Kiwis, isn't it? It is, yeah. Very, very strong uh, Kiwi influence in, in both teams. Um, I actually spoke to, to Conrad Hurrell, uh, I guess he's a... He's a Tongan Kiwis, and he's done a lot of formative years in in Auckland. Um, I think he even played for the Junior Kiwis, but uh, yeah, it's a strong influence and should be a cracker of a game at, at Old Trafford. Yeah, mate, it's going to be uh, it's going to be good. I was interested to see uh, that game against Salford and Leeds. Uh, sorry, Salford and uh, St Helens, and you know, part of me really wanted Salford to win that because they've been such a fairy tale story this season. Yeah, they have. They've they've done so well to to come from here. I think just the loss of um, Brody Cross the week before to concussion. You know he's he's in the running for Man of Steel. He's really resurrected his career after moving from the NRL, and they really missed him. Uh, and they also lost in the game against St Helens, Andy Ackers uh, to a, to a concussion as well. So that took you know another of their key attacking weapons. Um, but they really pushed St Helens all the way. I don't know if you saw the game, but it was a really controversial game. Um, a penalty try that potentially could have been given wasn't given. Um, and, you know, they gave St Helens everything, so it just wasn't to be, uh, unfortunately, for Salford. That was a brutal game, too. Man, there were some big hits in that game. Mm. Yeah, some massive hits. I mean, the, the Jack Wellsby one, I think, on Chris Atkin. Um, on, on the initial viewing, it just looked like a, a monster hit. There might have been the head contact, so I think he, he fronts the judiciary on Monday, so he could have a nervous time. And obviously, Morgan Knowles, um, a chicken wing, which was very ugly, uh, it was also on Chris Hackman. He got sin bin for that, and to be honest, he he has to get a couple of weeks for that because he just you just don't want to see chicken wing tackles. I think you know they've largely been moved out of the game, um, you know, for a while since the sort of storm introduced them what, more than ten years ago. But this was it was just unnecessary and, and ugly. And while um, Acton wasn't hurt, it's just. Just not a, look, a good look for rugby league, is it? No, it's not, mate. It's on that, do you reckon? I just just uh, just a thought I had. Do you reckon if you go to the Storm home games, uh, you know you can normally buy pies, you can buy hot dogs. Do you reckon you can buy a bucket of chicken wings at Storm home games? <laughs> you reckon I missed a trick if I not? <laughs> I don't think uh, Bellyache and uh, Frank Benetti would would like it, but it could be a good uh, could be a good marketing thing. Yeah. Sure. 
I like it. Get KFC on board. We're away. We're away. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that game that game was uh, was a tight game, but it was very much uh, a David Goliath matchup. On the other side, I mean, Wigan have been a lot better this year. Leeds were an absolute dumpster fire last year. So I guess in a way, uh, it mirrored that a little bit. Wigan were the favourites, but Leeds got home. Well, Leeds were a, a, dump, a dumpster fire, basically a third in the season. I think they'd won one of their first 10 games. They were, they were second from bottom, and then they sacked their head coach. Um, and Rowan Smith's come in, in uh, it was in May from uh, the North Devils and the Queensland Cup. Obviously, Rowan, son of Brian Smith, uh, nephew of Tony Smith, and he's just done an amazing job. I, mean, I don't think anyone would have predicted that they'd be in the grand final um, and, you know, with a, with a good chance of winning it too. So, it's been a, a remarkable turnaround for Leeds. Obviously, they're a massive club. Um, you know, they've 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 won a lot of uh, finals, World Cup challenges, Challenge Cups, etc. But they haven't been in the Grand Final since 2017, and you know they've kind of been rebuilding. And um, it's just yeah, amazing, amazing story that you know they upset Catalans away from home, which is always a tough game, and then um, you know beat Wigan. Uh, at Wigan as well, um, and you know that was really another upset. So it's a it's a fairy tale run for them at the moment. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, no Aiden Caesar for them by the sounds of things, though. How big a yeah. blow is that? Yeah, that's a big blow. I mean, they don't really have another half um, in their squad who's you know experienced or of that colour to come in and replace him. Um, they're either you know going to put a hooker in there in, in maybe Cruz Leeming or they could uh, you know, play a back rower in, in Cameron Smith, not not that one, the English one, uh, move him from, from 13 and put him in and then it's more pressure on Blake Austin to, to create. So that's a, that's a huge blow. I don't know if you saw the hit, but it was a very ugly one mm. from, from Jordan. And I think he'll be missing at least the group stages of the World Cup for England because that was, yeah, it was a really, really bad one. It's interesting that, isn't it? I mean, like we've been having that conversation over here about, you know, uh, Jared Waru Hargreaves, um, obviously from the Roosters, uh, from that game against the... Bloody Kiwis. Yeah, against the, against the Rabbitohs. <laughs> but, I mean, should he... It feels like if you, get, if you get in trouble in that competition, your band should be in that competition. I mean, it's certainly, you know, Peter Volandis would have, no, have you believe that the fans... That you do what the fans want, and it doesn't matter if they miss round one, two, or three, uh, so long as they're there for the big dance. No, I, th- I think you've got to you've got to go in international footy. I mean, that's how long have, have we been doing that for? You know, decades. Same the same with Origin. I think otherwise it kind of gives basically players a, a free pass to do what they want in club footy and you know not affect internationals. I think you've got to you've got to punish the, be- the behaviour accordingly. And that was a you know that was a brutal attack to the head. Um, Seasons missing in a grand final. We all know. You know, look at look at the um, news the last few days of Mario Fennett. We all know. The dangers with you know head trauma, dementia, um, you know what can happen, and you need to come down hard on this. I think those you know that those days are are well over. Um, you know we talked about the head; they need to be punished severely, um, and that was a really bad one. I don't I don't think Bateman went out to attack the head, but he missed times his his shot, and um, it was brutal. And that's going to be really hard for for Leeds to um, you know to compensate without Caesar because he's been really good for them the last. Uh, half of the season. Yeah, I mean, he's such an impactful player, him and Blake Austin. And those guys have played together for, it seems, forever, and they kind of seem to follow each other around in their careers. I mean, you, you mentioned that Leeds, um, well, I mentioned that Leeds were a dumpster fire last season. You said they were for a third of this season as well. We know that they've had financial issues as well. I mean, 
looking back on it, how close were Leeds to doing a Bradford? Do you think? Oh, they were never. They were never going to do a Bradford in the sense that because they've they've got particularly you know wealthy owners, they own their own stadium, they've got the the biggest fan base in Super League, and they make a lot of you know revenue from from home games. So financially, they're in a good position, which is the complete opposite to Bradford, uh, who play in a you know stadium that should have been knocked down about eighty years ago. Um, while Headingley is, you know, the best the best rugby league stadium in England, um, but you know, I think in terms of relegation, I think Toulouse were always up against it. You know, Warrington have been ridiculously poor; they finished second from bottom, and obviously Wakefield are, you know, struggling along there, and, and they finished tenth. So I think they were always going to turn around, but I, I didn't expect them to make the semi finals, um, and then to to go on a run and to get to the grand final is, you know, a remarkable feat because I don't think. Even the squad they have now, I don't think they are a, a top four team. Um, but you know, it's a remarkable achievement. And Rowan Smith, um, he doesn't he doesn't say a lot. He's he's very quiet. Doesn't give much away. But um, you know, he's really uh, proving his his coaching ability uh, this year. And obviously, last year in the Queensland Cup, he won uh, he won the premiership there with the North Devils. So he's on a good run. He's on a very good run. Uh, well, let's talk the match up in the grand final then. I mean. Or you know everything points to a Saints win, doesn't it? Um, how do you how do you think Leeds can can beat Saints? I think I think to be honest, the the disciplinary is going to be huge. I mean, St Helens are this is this is they're obviously going for their fourth grand final win in a row, which is you you know would be history making in any sport. But this year in particular, they've they've been hit hard by injuries, and they've also because of salary cap pressure, they've lost a lot of. Key players, um, obviously Kevin Nagama being one of them, uh, Lock and Coot being another. Um, so they've had to rely more on depth, and they're, they're missing Alex Wormsley, you know, their, their key prop. They're missing Lewis Bastard, who's their, their first choice seven. Uh, Regan Grace, who's obviously um, going off to rugby union and you know might be coming up against the All Blacks in the near future. Um, so they're missing a lot of players, and I think if if Knowles is ruled out and Wellsby, um, Wellsby's the other big one because he. He's been playing uh, very well in the halves with Johnny Lomax. That that is really huge. huge. Um, that you know that brings them back down to the pack. But they, they do have an amazing mentality. St Helens of just grinding out wins and you know refusing to to be beaten. So I think Leeds um, their their run in the last couple of weeks has been built on really gritty defence. Uh, they did that against Wigan. They just refused to yield, and you know they kind of basically it was like a rope a dope strategy. They soaked up all this pressure, could barely get a set. Um, out of their own half in the first half, and then you know Wigan were tired out, and they turned them over, and I think that's what's going to take again from Leeds. It's, it's going to be a huge eighty minutes to, to beat this champion St Helens team, but um, they'll have a lot of confidence because they've just been in such good form in the last three months. It's going to be interesting. You think, uh, I mean, that could level the playing field, so it's going to be a, a grind. I mean, this this is Christian Wolf's farewell is in a, a, at St Helens as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's his last game at St Helens. Um, three years will be up, and he'll be going to the new club and the Dolphins as Wayne Bennett's assistant coach. So, you know, to finish, uh, obviously they won the they won the minor premiership this year as well. They won the uh, Challenge Cup last year, and you know, to finish with three grand final uh, winners' rings in a row. I mean, that's <laughs> that's some feat. So, um, it, yeah, I, I'm sure that there's no lacking motivation there to, to do it for Christian and. 
send him off in a winner, and then obviously he'll be um, he'll be coaching Tonga in the World Cup in in a couple of weeks' time as well. Yeah, I mean, how's it, how is that building actually? I mean, it feels like it's been a really good season for Super League. Uh, it feels like it's been more visible. It's been more talked about. I've noticed it more in British papers. Even the London-based ones seem to be running stories. Uh, is that sort of that flow-on effect happening with the World Cup being there as well? Yeah, I think I think it remains to be seen a little bit. Like I think there's a lot of positivity around the tournament. People are excited. Obviously, it was pushed back a a year, so you know there was a bit of annoyance about that. But but you know there's there is there is a genuine excitement about the tournament. I guess you know the I, I wrote something last week just looking at at England and the men's team, and I think that's a real concern when you just look at the the teams that New Zealand can put out, that Australia can put out, that Samoa is going to have, that Tonga is going to have that Fiji's going to have, um, and England have got a lot of injuries and a lot of their best players aren't in form. So I, I think that could have a, an impact if England flopped and, you know, say get beaten by Samoa in the first game and then knocked out in the quarterfinal stage by Tonga. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the rest of the tournament. But um, I think, it, you know, the fact that we've got, we've got the wheelchair game We've got the women's game and we've got the men's game. There's a huge spread of, of venues. Um, you know, there's going to be some some fantastic matches, and it, you know, it will be the the biggest World Cup ever because we've got the three strands um, and some terrific media coverage as well. So, I think that the advertising campaign for it will ramp up um, just after the grand final. I think they've held back a lot of their budget to do that, um, and hopefully, we should see a huge push and you know, a lot of. Packed stadiums come uh, October and November. Yeah, no, looking forward to it, mate. That that Kiwis team, I mean, what, squad, I should say, because what have they named? 34, I think. Man, it's hard to see where you're going to cut players, and there, there's some big names in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking as an Australian, I, I think um, you might even put the Kiwis as favourites. Um, I, I think that, that team they've got is just amazing. And the, the forward pack, you know, you've got, Fisher Harris, you got a Sofa Solomon, uh, Brandon Smith. It's just, it's just brutal. Um, so I think you know, it's a very open World Cup when you look at you know that top. I, I can't see anyone but Australia, New Zealand, or, or Tonga winning it. To be honest, unless Samoa, obviously they've you know they've got half of that champion Penrith team, and that will be you know huge for them. But I think those are the three, and I think New Zealand that that semi final. Obviously, the way the draw structured, New Zealand will play Australia pretty much guaranteed in the in the semi final, so they can't play each other in the final. So that semi final is is going to be um, a massive, massive game. And I, you know, I think if you're a Kiwis fan, you'll be you'll be looking forward to the World Cup and, and fairly confident because you know Australia haven't played for a long, long time. The, the last game was a loss to Tonga in in Auckland, um, and you know there's there's certainly a bit of doubt around them just because they're missing a lot of players who are either, you know, defected to Pacific countries or, you know, the, those champions in Cameron Smith and, and Kronk have retired. And, you know, it's been a long time since 2019 since they've had a game. Yeah, I mean, tell you what, you wouldn't you wouldn't mind being Mel Meninga, would you? Pocketing 400k a year to do what? <laughs> He's doing a great job at the Gold Coast. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, nicely said, nicely said. Hey, while we've got you, uh, what about the NRL then? This weekend, the preliminary finals, the Eels go to Townsville to play the Cowboys and uh, we get a rematch of last year's grand final as well. I have a sneaking suspicion the Rabbitohs with Latrell Mitchell might just upset the reigning premiers. 
they are looking very good, aren't they? I mean, they're just um, you know watching them, watching them on the weekend, and obviously the week before against the Roosters, it's they just look such a slick team. And Latrell Mitchell, I think that time off with injury in the, the middle of the year, obviously missed Origin as well. He just looks really fit and fresh. And I think, obviously, you know, we're just jumping back to the World Cup for a second with the Kangaroos, if he can take that form into Australia, then, you know, with the likes of him and Tedesco, that's, that's massive. But South are looking very good. That's a, that's a huge game. I mean, Penrith are, are an unbelievable team. Uh, and looking at the other side, I've, you know, the Cowboys have probably been the best the most improved team. Um, and I, I think I was, I, I watched the Matty John show last night and he likened them to the West Tigers in 20, 2005, sorry, and um, Todd Payton played for that team and he's the coach of Cowboys and they just have that ability to throw the ball around. So two two really, really good games and I think whoever makes the grand final, um, you know, we're in for a, uh, an unbelievable game. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. To be honest, I mean, with Souths, and I, I said this on the show a couple of times after they got over the Roosters, I I, I said it felt, feels like they've played their final. It was so highly in, you know such an intense game that I thought, mm. oh you know how much are they going to have left in the tank for the Sharks this week? And then they did that to the Sharks, and I thought, okay, I've I've misread this, I've misread this. And you know from a Panthers point of view, they have been a bit stuttery because they gave the I mean, most of their team a, uh, a week off before they in the last round robin game, and it feels like Jerome Luai hasn't really rediscovered his best form either. Yeah, I mean they were they were very good against Parramatta. That was you know a one sided contest, but yeah, they're they're hitting a, a team in in really good form. Uh, I guess that that agile argument is the week off helpful, or would you like to play um, in between and you know just sort of keep that momentum going? So it's going to be a it's going to be a tough game for them um, without a doubt. And yeah, South Sydney just they do have um, something about them at the moment. They've you know it's not been a, a, a sort of great year for them all over but they're they're hitting form at the right time and you know when it comes to finals footy that's it's really what it's all about so um yeah i think i think if Penrith do win this weekend um i think they will win the grand final and i think conversely if if south get the w then they'll be the favorites going to the grand final as well yeah no i think so mate i think so and how excited are you about uh, the all whites playing the socceroos in a double header this week too the mighty all whites, unfortunately, not going to Qatar. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a real shame that we don't uh, we don't play the the Socceroos don't play the all whites that often because you know the, the long standing rivalry between the two countries and the closeness. You know, um, and there's been so many players, obviously, you know, with the A League, there's so many players who who played um, or who are either Australian or played for New Zealand or, or vice versa. You know, Archie Thompson being one of them who you know chose. Australia ever could have, you know, could have played for the All Whites. So yeah, looking looking forward to that one. I mean, I think New Zealand. You look at um, their players overseas in and in Europe. Um, New Zealand's got better better players playing at higher levels in Europe than Australia does, despite us having you know what three four times the population. So uh, it'll be a fair test for the Socceroos, um, you know, because even though they they upset Peru, it's not it's not been a great. Of years. So, yeah, I, I am looking forward to that one, and I think the All Whites um, might be favourites going to that game. Yeah, I'm well, looking forward to it, mate. I'll be there at Eden Park for the second of the two games, mate. No doubt you'll be watching from afar, but enjoy them, and uh, no doubt we'll talk about that a little bit later, Johnny. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, mate. Good to talk to you. Yeah, always good to chat, John. And uh, if people want to follow you and uh, get all the latest from Super League and the, and the Rugby League World Cup coming up, where's the best place for them to go? 
Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Johnny D Davidson. Uh, also on Patreon at RugbyLeagueHub.com Long Reads and also a podcast which is on all the, um, the usual podcast providers, uh, Spotify, Podbean, uh, iTunes, etc. Uh, by the balls. So, uh, yeah, those are, those are the places. Nice work, mate. Nice work. Keep it up, and we'll catch up with you again soon, eh? Thanks, mate. It's 24 past 10 here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Paul with you through till 11 o'clock. Johnny Davidson, of course, uh, was there with us before the break. And uh, he's an Australian reporter living in the UK, covers mainly rugby league, but he also covers the Australian players playing football in the UK. There's a ton of them playing north of the border in Scotland at the moment. And, of course, the Socceroos and the All Whites play each other Thursday and Sunday in this international window. With that in mind, Winston Reid, the uh, All Whites centre-back who has announced his retirement for international football after the second game of those two games, was speaking to media today ahead of the first game in Brisbane. It's just certainly nice to just come back and play and um, finish off at finish off at home. I guess where it all started. So um, yeah, looking forward to it, and um, I'm sure it'll be good. I think when I look back on it, probably only played maybe a few handful times at home. So it's there's been a long there's been a long wait since the last time. Probably was I think it was five years ago when we played against Peru. Um, so yeah, listen, t- time time goes pretty quick, you know, and especially when you're when you're a footballer, um, but yeah, for sure, I'm gonna enjoy the, enjoy it, um, enjoy the last game, and um, you know, and all the memories throughout the years as well. Um, I'm sure I'll enjoy those too. Probably two weeks into holiday, when I had a few too many beers. <laughs> um, no jokes aside. Listen, I I, I personally knew that um, you know if, if we weren't gonna make the the World Cup that I knew what um, I kind of what direction I wanted to go in so um, you know it's a it's time for you know a young group to, to take over there's a lot of young players and um, you know they've got a uh, good, good good future ahead of them so you know it's uh, it's time for I guess me to step aside and let them um, you know run with it happy um, you know it's never easy making a decision um, like that, um, especially at a young age, you know. Um, but just happy, you know, I've got so many experiences, um, you know, meeting so many uh, great people coming back, um, you know, obviously back to back to my home and, and playing for New Zealand and, um, you know, just, just um, you know, really, really um, honoured after all these years, you know, just meeting, meeting so many really, really cool people and experiences as well. Um, so yeah, just really happy about it. We had a amazing time, amazing moment. Um, you know, it still feels like yesterday, but obviously it's there's a few years that have passed. So it was a you know great time for not only myself, but you know for my for my teammates, um, you know staff, you know nation as well, and um, you know just a just a proud moment. Listen, like it's like anything in life, you need a, you need a little bit of luck here and there, you know. Um, especially you know when I was coming through young you know it can be due to you know someone else's form or injuries etc etc or just players getting old so that's just part of it but I think one thing I always had that I always try to do my best in is just sort of never give up and 
and try my best and work hard and just dedicate myself to you know being as good as possible and it's, it's pretty boring but it's pretty simple of course you have to have <clears throat> some level of talent to, to go out there but um you know at the end of the day if you if you just try to be the best you can and and, and put the work in um you know it's going to put you in a good stead so um i think those sort of basic fundamentals i i had from a early young um early young age that sort of helped me through my career yeah it was good um you know like you know now i know nelly for you know so many years now and he's just an amazing guy and um you know i've um, enjoyed so many so many cool moments with him um not only on the pitch but off the pitch as well sharing flights with him him snoring the whole time um so so it's definitely um you know you know, I've had I've had really good um, memories being with him, but you know, not only him, the, you know, a lot of the my old teammates as well, especially coming back to the national team. There's so many, been so many um, amazing people I've met over these years, and um, you know, it's just something I've been uh, really appreciative about. Yeah, it's good. I mean, listen, um, you mentioned it before. Um, you know, looking back, there was a few um, a few players that were in that team that you know that weren't you know fully professional I guess but you know there was also the beauty about it that you know those players were able to contribute maybe not all the time on the pitch but off the pitch as well and I think that's what what helped the group back then um you know now obviously football's evolved and you know teams evolved and players evolved as well and you know you see that guys are getting you know younger and younger when they're leaving New Zealand and being able to to go to Europe and try to put their stamp on things so it's only it's only good that they get the more experiences you know the younger they get at an earlier age because um, you know the the more time they have to um, develop and um, hopefully um, go to even you know further places that I was able, able to play at. it it was you know it was really cool it was amazing but um, I, I think just in the moment when you just realize it was because we were, you know, the group was so tight back then. It was just, it was literally like everyone else scored that goal. Um, that's, I guess, that's the way we all sort of felt. That was, it was everyone's goal. I know I got to close my eyes and hit the ball back in the back of the net, but um, it was pretty much like everyone scored. So, um, you know, that was just that was just part of. Like I said before, we had a you know amazing group back then, and that was just um, sort of part of the, I guess, the mentality that still is in this group as well. So there you go, that is uh, Winston Reid talking about uh, a few things there. The game coming up and finishing his career, international career for New Zealand, back here at Eden Park on Sunday. Actually on that, the Aussies for the first game, the Thursday game, are big favourites. They're paying $1.50, the draw $4, New Zealand five fifty. John Davidson, honest, uh, on with us earlier, saying that he thought if you looked at the Kiwi squad on paper versus the Aussie squad on paper, you'd have to say the Kiwis were the favourites. So... Maybe a little bit of value there in the all whites. So actually, I was having a look to see the double chance is always a good look, and the double chance on take the New Zealand or the draw is paying two dollars thirty. You have a piece of that, Ben? Is that for the first game? For the first game. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, it actually is quite tempting. The more I think about it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, New Zealand will draw $2.30. So there you go. That's uh, something maybe worth thinking about. I want New Zealand. Well, we both want New Zealand to win, though. So I think mm. 
you know, if we, we would rather jump on that, but we, we want to make a bit of coin here. <laughs> well, yeah, a bit of coin is always nice. A bit of coin is always nice. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to see because Graham Arnold's also uh, selected for the Socceroos a really big squad. Apparently he wants to play two different 11s at each game. So, oh. do, do, so it depends which 11 he plays where as well. So it might be worth a look. I thought I thought he would have had his strongest one in, in home and probably the... I don't, well, they probably will still be strong, but the, yeah. the, I'd say the second more 11. Yeah, well, there would be a lot of guys playing for a place on the plane to um, Qatar as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. Have you, as they, have they, they've, so they've named their squad for the for the two games? Mm-hmm. Okay, because yeah. I haven't seen it, and I was very curious to know whether Harry Souter was back. I don't think he is. I don't think Harry Souter is back. Uh, uh, just quietly, I remember seeing the team, and I don't think his name was on it. So, uh, let me just have a quick a quick gander here, um, as I uh, did get the email that had the official team uh, added to it. And uh, let's have a look. Here is the squad. Suta, 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 Suta. No, he's not in it. No, Harry Suta. So yeah, they've got Nathaniel Atkinson, who's at Hearts. Keanu Backus, who's at St Mirren, Aziz Bayich, who's at Dundee United, Martin Boyle, who's at Hibs. Noticing a, a pattern there. First four names are all playing in the Scottish Premier League. Yeah, well, it was quite funny. There was a graphic of the of the team yesterday, and I saw a couple of the names, but they had like the countries of flags that everyone had been selected, and yeah, half of them were the Scottish flag. Of course, no English flags. I don't think so off the top of my head now. No, there's not. And there were a couple. I think there were a couple in Japan or a couple in Asia. Yeah, there's a couple in Japan, a couple in uh, Korea, a couple in the States, um, one or two in Croatia, one in Italy. Uh, actually, probably their best. I don't know if you'd say he's their best player, but he's definitely one that I think will come through and be the face of Australian football in the future. Is Aidan Frustich, who's playing at Hellas Verona in Italy at the moment, playing Serie A um, midfielder. So he's he's probably worth a look. Uh, there's a few playing uh, in Germany, the second tier at St Pauli, um, and then there's uh, Matt Ryan playing at FC Copenhagen in Denmark with Joe Bell. Ah, in the same team. Uh, sorry, not Joe Bell, Marco Stamenich. There you go. That's pretty cool. Uh, if, if the All Whites had all their like best players there, so I think Ryan Thomas is not available. Sarpreet Singh, and then I well, Australia had like Sir Harry Souter and a couple of other names. Does the All Whites squad still manage better on paper with everyone at full strength? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, Ryan Thomas at PSV Eindhoven um, when he's not injured. Obviously, Sarpreet is at Bayern. Um, he's, they've extended his deal even though he's had this injury problem. He's getting back to fitness and he's been sent back on loan into to Bundesliga 2. Which was a real shame last year at the back end of last year because he was, uh, lots of people were saying that he was probably one of the better performers in the in the second division over in Germany yeah. before he, did, he got injured. I think he picked up like eight, assists and five goals or something from midfield. Um, and so Werder Bremen tried to buy him, and then he failed the medical. So he could have been Werder Bremen who were back in the in the Bundesliga because they'd been in Bundesliga too last season. So yeah, We hope he gets fit and hopefully gets a deal like that in the, in the future or yeah. stays on at Bayern, of course. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's intriguing. I'm looking forward to seeing that those two teams are quite well matched. Um, and I think Chris Wood just gives us an edge because the Aussies really are missing an out-and-out goal scorer.
because it's been that long since the All Whites have have played here. Do do the All Whites fans do what the Phoenix fans do and shirts off if they're winning at eighty? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, which which could be quite ugly, to be fair. Yeah, I, I might refrain from going then. Actually, <laughs> oh come on, mate. Got to get along and get, get get that Scottish skin out in the uh, in, in the sun. Um, it is twenty five away from ten. When we come back, we'll hear from Dave Rennie, the Wallabies boss. He was on with Scott Stevenson and Beaver earlier today, talking about some of the grumbles he had from the last test and looking forward to the second one. 22-11 here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you till 11. Earlier today, Scotty Stevenson is part of the run home at the moment this week uh, alongside Beaver, and he, he, he got out the old black book, the contacts book, and managed to find a number for Dave Rennie, the Wallabies coach, who came on and chatted all things Bledisloe. It's been a classic rock situation all afternoon long. Thanks to producer Jacob. 5.43, coming up 5.44 on your Tuesday. Uh, now it's time to have a chat uh, with a man I have a lot of admiration for, and I know Beef does as well. Wallabies coach Dave Rennie on the line. Dave, good afternoon to you. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Hey, Sumo and Beaver. <laughs> G'day, Rens. How are we? <laughs> yeah, no, good, mate. I've, I've thought out of it. Yeah, um, it would have been frosty for a few days, uh, Renz. Um, look, we were, we don't have to relitigate the situation. It's been uh, covered wall to wall on both sides of the ditch over recent days and, of course, uh, two sides to that coin, um, depending on who's writing for what publication. But I would say to you, rugby in the headlines at a very tough time for rugby to get a headline uh, can't be a bad thing if you'd have parked the result for a second. <laughs> yeah, oh, look... Um... It's a competitive landscape over here, no doubt. So um, I think even after the test, I saw the news the next night and there was um, all the talk was about the AFL and all the big games coming up. So mm. we're probably still 10 minutes into the news. But um, yeah, look, in the end, it was a hell of a game, wasn't it? I, I thought it was a great game of test footy and mm. unbelievable venue. Uh, it's the advantage of putting a roof on. It wasn't a great day in Melbourne, but you got a dry track with no wind, no rain and, and two positive sides. So... I uh, thought it was a great advertisement for, for test footing. Reg, you talk about obviously what a great game it was last Thursday and the fact that the roof was on. Does that almost instantly change this week coming to Eden Park? If there's no rain, it'll still be probably greasy. Does it does it change things pretty pretty substantially in that way? Yeah, look, I think both sides will end up kicking if there's, if there's rain about. I know, I know there's been lots of rain over there and the long-range forecast. Looks like it might be right about game time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll play the conditions based on on what they are, and uh, sounds like there might be a bit of wind around as well. So, yeah, oh, it always test skill sets, but um, oh, I think you'll still see that both sides want to play. Mm. Renz, we know your thoughts on on what happened on Thursday night, and we've heard the thoughts of executives and and your board. We've heard the commentators talk about the decision, so so we know where you stand on that. But probably what we haven't got insight to uh, here in New Zealand is is just how the team have taken it and and how they've regrouped after what would have been incredibly disappointing after after the comeback that we saw on show. Yeah, I mean, Bush had a massive amount of character to be down thirty one thirteen, and you know. Um, you know, our discipline created that issue. We played with 14 and played with 13 at one stage and, um, you know, the All Blacks are good enough to hurt us during that period. But, uh, yeah, we showed a lot of courage and uh, to get back and then get back in front with a, a couple to go and then lose it is hugely disappointing. But, um, 
Oh, look, yeah, we've had to move on. It's, um, you know, we've looked at our part in that, and, you know, unfortunately, Bernard said he just, he didn't hear him say time back on. He thought the clock was off, and um, and what we know is ref scrutinised the last two minutes differently than any other part of the game. You know, shots a goal uh, for a penalty of 60 seconds, and which Moanga had an 84 and an 84, 85-second shot at goal. But that's pretty common in world rugby, so... Um, that, that was the frustrating thing that we're, we're only worried about the clock in the last two minutes versus the rest of the game. So, anyway, we've um, we, we've parked it. Um, we've we've prepared real well over the last few days. We've turned it into an eight-day week, and we train Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and then we'll fly Thursday, which gets us over there at a reasonable hour rather than two in the morning on Friday morning. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So no, look, look, no, it's good. We've uh, we've got. Um, Greco Nielsen coming in tomorrow to have a catch up, and um, he did something pretty special at Eden Park, 1978. He's, he's a good man, so um, yeah, like we'll, we'll be up for it. It's um, we, we know the challenge of playing it at Eden Park and the All Blacks phenomenal record there, but uh, we'll be coming over and throwing everything at it. Renge, you talk about throwing everything at it. Uh, a few of your players that you're getting in from overseas, uh, obviously. Career was a big loss, but Corobetti, obviously Quade Cooper then gets injured, but Bernard Foley, you seem to be getting plenty coming out of these guys uh, who you're able to bring back. Obviously, there's restrictions on how many you can bring back, but uh, they seem to really boost the squad when they do, mate. Yeah, and no, such good men who are you know, just desperate to be Wallabies again. And, um, all of those guys, I've, I've sort of had to bide your time a bit. You know, Quade last year, he watched three all-black tests before he got his chance, and Bernard watched both the South African ones, but um, he's a good student. He got his head around things quickly. He uh, he gives guys confidence. Mm. And, um, yeah, look, I, I thought he was really strong on the weekend. And, you know, he's he's hurting over the, the final couple of actions and his role in that. But, um, yeah, like I thought it was an unbelievable effort for a guy who he hasn't played test rugby for, for three years and hadn't had a game of rugby for about three months. So... Um, hell of an effort, I reckon. Uh, it was weekday at Bernie's, that's for sure, Rens. So I'm <laughs> going to give it that. Uh, hey, what did you make of the All Blacks side, uh, Rens? Your first um, opportunity to come up against them this season, and, and obviously they've been in the pressure cooker themselves, given results so far this year. D- did you see? Did you see signs that maybe they were regaining something of of their mastery of the game, or, or do you see that there are some definite chinks in the armour there? I think I think results this year highlight how tight it is right across the world. You know, it's um, I think there's a lot of countries. You know, on any given day, could beat anyone, and and that's how tight the rugby championship's been so far. And mm. um, and then you look at teams like France and Ireland, you know, high performing sides, and England, and you know, so it's just it's an arm wrestle. I think you're just going to beat your best. Each day, and oh, I guess what, what we know is if we're not at our best, we're not going to beat the All Blacks. So, so we need to perform at our best to force them to perform below their best, and then we know we've got a chance. So, uh, that, that's important for us going in. And Renz, I've just actually had a text in on the phone line from one uh, TKB. He wants to know any issues with <laughs> halfback for you at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I spoke to Tawada um, a number of months ago, and. <laughs> 
He wanted to point out that he's, uh, <laughs> remind me, he's born in Australia and he's available if uh, anyone falls over. Uh, unfortunately, he rings me weekly, uh, telling me. <laughs> no, we've got a, already got a bandy-legged uh, nine player for us. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Renz, what about you, mate? Um, look, are you, are you still enjoying the job? It's um, it's not easy, as you mentioned earlier. It's a competitive landscape over there. Um, yeah, I know that, that culturally that team's in a really great place under you, and, we, and we've spoken at length about that in the past, but... Um, are you feeling in a, in a really positive frame of mind, not just ahead of this test, but but building into what shapes is a very big year for the Wallabies? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, we've got a great bunch of men, um, you know, just just real good buggers who are keen to learn and prepared to work hard. And, um, you know, everywhere we go, uh, they're, they're really impressive. Everyone comments about, you know, how friendly and um, how um, engaging they are, and they're just—they're a really good bunch, and they're, you know, a desperate, to, I guess, earn the respect. And we've got to do that week in, week out, and that's been the disappointing thing. We've, mm. we've shown plenty of courage at various times, but you've got to back that up the following week. And um, you know, we've we've had a few injuries this year, which has probably been a blessing. We've we've exposed a lot more guys to Test rugby than we might have. It's helping us create depth and. You know, we've got guys who, you know, you look at a Lalakai Fakedi, for example, who mm. um, is really standing up. I mean, Lars had two tests this year and been very strong on both. And, and so it gives us a lot of confidence that we've we've got a lot more depth building, you know, heading into a World Cup year. Mm. So uh, five tests at the end of the year, it's, it's a big um, end of year tour. And, uh, but we, we need to play a lot of footy. Uh, our guys uh, tend to be underdone. They... They play less than 20 games the first 15 at high school over here because of the GPS system. And, you know, Richie Moanga, who we mentioned earlier, he probably played 70-odd yeah. in his three years of first 15. And and so we've just got to try and accelerate the development and the learning here. And there's no NPC to do that. Um, uh, we've got the, the A program going, and um, they had three games in Fiji, and now they've got three heading to Japan. So... So uh, that's a great way to, to build a bit more depth uh, going forward as well. Oh, mate, we're looking forward to seeing you over on uh, our side of the ditch again. Uh, Dave Rennie, Wallabies coach, thanks so much for joining us on the run home here on SENZ. Cheers, Renz. Uh, pleasure, man. It's six away from 11 here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you. And uh, we're just about done for the night. Thanks for joining us and, and listening in. Tomorrow night we have live netball for you. The Tiny Jamison Trophy uh, finally gets underway. It was originally supposed to start Saturday, but obviously there's been a few delays with the Jamaicans taking their time getting here, having a few visa issues. But we will have live coverage of that game from 7 o'clock tomorrow night right here on SENZ. I think uh, Mark Stafford has the call for you and uh, it'd be interesting to see how this Jamaican side goes with all the disruptions and the fact that uh, they've only got three of the team from the common games here uh, where they did so well, which is a real pity because you would have loved to have seen a full-strength Jamaican team go head-to-head with the Silver Ferns and uh, you really just see uh, how hard they could push them in our conditions. And uh, a three-match series would have been good. We're down to two, so it is Wednesday, Thursday. We will have coverage of both games right here on SENZ. We'll also be uh, looking at uh, the NRL over the weekend as well. We've got live calls coming from both of those games right here on SENZ as well. So your home of live sport on Radio SENZ. We'll be back again tomorrow night. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.